Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> keep forgetting I do a radio show. I mean, what am I thinking? Uh, no, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um, in fact, I had a couple of uh, uh, folks that had to uh, cancel at the last minute. So uh, Bill's off and Wendy's off. And so about half an hour, half an hour ago, I discovered I've got the first hour to myself. <laughs> Isn't this interesting? <laughs> this is live radio. This is what happens. So we kind of we kind of go with it. I got a big topic this morning. Anyway, I've got a lot of information. I was trying to get the opening statement, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, the congressman I'm not that familiar with, but I want to learn more about because I want to call his office probably after the show. Um, Brad Winstrup. I think is the name. Second District of Ohio. It's the it's the congressional district at the bottom of Ohio. And what's so fascinating about him is he's chairing a uh, he chaired a committee. In fact, I was looking for this hearing. I couldn't find it, but I was looking in the wrong place. I was looking for vaccine mandates. But what it really was about, let me see if I can get you the actual uh, title here. Uh, it's on my Facebook uh, page. It's, in fact, it's, it's pinned to the top. It's so good. Also, our legal page and a bunch of other pages. <laughs> it's all over the place. Well, that's the wrong one. Um, so I'm going to be floating around different stories here. Hopefully, I'll up my, my broadcast. Um, so I'll try and get rid of websites uh, as I don't need them anymore. Um, let's see if I can find the one I'm looking for now. It's not that one. It's that one. Here we go. So the Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Pandemic. And the subheading is the Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. Um, that's fascinating that they would say that. Now, we've said that on the show since day one. We've said that since, since tw- February of 2020, that you cannot suspend the Constitution. Pianchi famously came up with the line that the Constitution doesn't have an on and off switch. You know, in fact, and I made the statement that it was interesting, Jim Jordan, you know, I heard him say it about eight months later. No, I'm not taking credit for getting it to him, but it's actually kind of a common thought. That Constitution is not written, you know, for when times are good, when the government is good, when the government is, you know, restrained and, you know, and, and, and doing what it's supposed to do, protecting life uh, uh, rights property. You know, that's what it's supposed to do, life and property. That's their job, right? So when they're doing as they're supposed to do, you don't need a constitution because they're doing the right things. They're, they're self-restrained. They're following, you know, the, their, their dictates, and the, the, everything's great. Now, the time you need the constitution is when they go outside, when they want to go outside, when they want to stray beyond their powers, when they want to get beyond their delegated powers, when they have mandates for no reason, when they have uh, um, ridiculous stuff, you know, when they're, they're going crazy, not because it, it's um, necessary or, or justified or in any way uh, – you know, uh, I guess, uh, but because they can, you know, because, because it means more power, you know, they get drunk on power and they start wielding this power for, for no reason other than the, like the power itself. This is why you can never have a, a, a government without a constitution. This is why democracies don't work. Well, because any, any demagogue, you know, with enough uh, power and money can convince enough people to vote for them. And once, uh, once they get in power, then they just tell you what it is. You know, like they do in the communist countries. You know, the current administration, the current government, the current uh, dictator has been approved by 98% of the population to vote. Oh, yeah, right. Sure. That's like saying Biden is president, that he got more votes than any other president. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> That's just laughable. I still have friends of mine. This little, uh, you know, on this uh, Facebook post that I talked about yesterday, 
you know, the one on my page, you know, was, was got, you know, my, my avatar sitting in a pool on a popsicle. <laughs> That's what it looks like, lying on a popsicle. Anyway, uh, and I said that the illegal alien police, you know, it's the ultimate government hypocrisy to bring in illegal aliens who are criminals, you know, to enforce laws on American citizens, you know, who are here legally because we're American citizens, right? Uh, but you cannot take people who are here illegally and have them enforce the laws of this country because, first of all, they can't even be here. I mean, that's absurd. That's irrational. And yet that's what Illinois is doing um, because, well, Illinois obviously is irrational, too, at this point. But uh, it's just funny. Anyway, so the COVID stuff, you know, I mean, what did we say at the beginning? You know, how many times have we been over this? What did I say at the beginning of COVID back in February? That it takes 15 years to make a vaccine. Uh, even then, you're not sure if it's going to work. That uh, there are many ways to kill viruses. You know, in fact, I, I broadcast this. Uh, why do I do this? I don't know. It was early February. Uh, whenever it was, I looked up. You know, what kills viruses? That's all I did. You know, I, I already seen Dr. Fascist, you know, out there talking about, well, we got to get it. Yeah, we got to get a vaccine. Yeah, it's the only way to fight this thing. No, it's not. There's never the only way. Besides, what they wanted to do was blatantly unconstitutional. You know, and then you hear about the lockdown mask. We, we know the story, right? We know what everybody went through. But none of that was constitutional. None of that was legal. For the simple reason that you cannot, uh, you cannot take away constitutional rights. The Supreme Court can't do it. The Congress can't do it. The, the president through the executive can't do it. The governors can't do it. The mayors can't do it. The city councils, the county uh, board of supervisors, the county sheriffs, the local police, the state police, the Department of Justice. Nobody can. Nobody can. It doesn't matter how bad the crisis. doesn't matter. Nuclear war, massive hurricanes, you know, the worst pandemic you can imagine. You still have your constitutional rights. Why? Because the Constitution works. Freedom works. Truth works. Free information works. Works. If there was free information, COVID would have been over with in a few months. We knew it would because we knew that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin cured COVID. We knew that zinc destroyed the eugenic material. We knew that we didn't need a vaccine because the, most of COVID was gone by July of uh, uh, 2020, and, the, and the, their so-called vaccine wasn't ready until December of 2020. So, so, the, uh, so COVID was already gone, what, seven months? <laughs> you know, uh, well, six months anyway. Five months. So COVID was basically gone five months before their, their unsafe vaccine was ready to go. And they mandated it without even testing for immunity, right? So none of this stuff was constitutional. And, and so freedom works. If we had the freedom of information, everybody would have known that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc um, kill COVID. End of conversation, right? Everybody would have known that 99.5% of the people, um, that's, all, that's everything except the half a percent of the population, we're going to be just fine with COVID. We're, you're going to get it and get over it. Everybody knew it was man-made. Everybody knew it came from Wuhan. Everybody knew that Dr. Fascist created it uh, with DARPA and uh, those guys in North Carolina, Chapel Hill, the Army, you know, the, the defense authorized whatever the DARPA program is. Everybody knew that. We all knew it. You know, we all knew that you didn't need a vaccine because we all knew we had the cure. Why do you, why do you, you know, we all knew also that Dr. Fascist, in order to force mandating, you know, his experimental vaccine, had to deny the cures, had to make the cures illegal, so he could make his illegal vaccine legal. We, we knew that too. I told everybody. But you didn't hear it because uh, they were suppressing the information. So the only reason COVID is still going on to this day, and I was just watching a, uh, a news story that uh, the, they want to come out with an annual COVID shot, much like the flu shot. This is business. This is business. The CDC, big pharma, you know, big tech, big government, you know, earning money from their patents and royalties. This is business. And the best business of all is having a tyrannical government mandate that you buy their product. 
What, uh, talk about guaranteed market share. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get better than that, right? Guaranteed market for their products. And it gets even better. Their product doesn't even have to be safe. It doesn't have to be effective. It doesn't have to work. In fact, it can kill people. And they can still mandate it. It can cripple people, and they can still mandate it. It can be absolutely useless, and they can still mandate it. It can have things in there that nobody knows about, and they can still mandate it, you know, even though that mandate's illegal. It's really funny. Are they going to do an annual COVID shot? Oh, please give me a break. So this hearing was fascinating, and I was trying to get the uh, text um, of the, uh, the opening statement of uh, Ben uh, Winstrup. Very interesting person. Um, I want to, like I say, I really want to call his office because I want to get to him bills that my own Congressman Matt Gates has no interest in. Vaccine product liability, ending big tech censorship, and a few other things. Obviously, if he had an interest, he would have been on the show by now, but he's not. You know, he's doing other stuff. I don't know what. I keep, you know, I'm going to go drop in his office sometime this week and say, hey, here I am. You want to talk? I mean, Congress is on recess for a month, right? So why not? Let's, uh, let's meet. <sighs> anyway, so let's get back to, uh, so, that, so it is a fascinating hearing. What they really came out with uh, is exactly what I just said, that we've been saying for three years, that your rights supersede any government action. Because the Constitution is the supreme law of the land where the federal government has jurisdiction, as delegated by the states. Oh, do you need, you didn't get that last part? Okay, ask me a question. You know, call in the show, 215-383-3832, or... You know, type me on live chat or uh, call us on Skype if you're, you know, around the world. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, get me on Facebook. Say, hey, Greg, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'll answer. You know, find one of my posts. Say, hey, I'm new. Most of my stuff's public anyway. It's not hard to find. But nothing is hard to find. How many Greg Pengleses are there in the world? <laughs> me. <laughs> as far as I know, it's just me. Uh, it might be more. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, Let's talk about the Department of Justice for a little bit. And again, I've got plenty of time. I think Bonnie's joining us in the next hour, but I've got, I've got things to do uh, this hour. The, um, the thought I had last night is that I'm watching these bogus prosecutions, and I'm watching all these folks that are coming on and saying exactly you know, what I've been thinking, too, you know, along the same line. So this is, this is confirmation. So a lot of us are thinking that we know these prosecutions of Trump are bogus. They know, <laughs> the Democrats know these prosecutions are bogus. The Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, in fact, Jack Smith, all of these people know these prosecutions are bogus. So why would they do it? And what we all came to the conclusion of is that it costs money and it costs time to defend against them, even though nobody thinks these prosecutions are going to go through. They're all bogus. The only reason they're indicting is because they're in such a liberal area you know, you basically take a bunch of government workers and say, uh, you know, uh, Trump's going to probably cut your job. Uh, you know, do you want to indict him? Oh, yeah, I'll indict him. Okay, fine. <laughs> what a great idea. Huh. How, how, how wonderful, how, how egalitarian of you, you know. And so this is what's going on, that these people um, are going after Trump simply because they want to keep him off the ballot. This is what it's all about. This is election suppression in the worst possible way. This is fraud. These are fraud prosecutions. So I'm gonna, I had a bill. Uh, Bill idea. I'm going to probably, you know, this, this might be a good time to write it, actually. Not, not right now on the air. I mean, this is, this is going to be complicated. Uh, compliance costs paid by government. I'm, just, I'm trying to note to myself here. Yeah, I actually read these notes later. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I had an idea for a bill uh, because what happens is the government doesn't have to win in court to affect you. 
All they have to do is cost you time and money. If you're a small corporation, you know, and the government has an unlimited supply. Let's take that gun store, for example. Gun store up in uh, Montana, I think that's where it was. Uh, the feds came in. The ATF came in. They searched all the records. They're there for a week. You know, they all had their big ATF shirts on. Anybody who walked in the store realized that the government, the federal government was there. Who wants to buy a gun in front of a fed, right? I mean, come on, get real. Anyway, so, uh, so they, they, they drastically lowered this person's business. They didn't charge them with anything. They didn't have to. Just being present, just going through the records, just costing time and money was enough. So what I'm saying is we need a bill that any, any government entity um, – we'll start with the federal government because they're the most intrusive because uh, they have the most money, right? So any government entity that uh, takes any action against any person or wants to do any investigation, they have to pay the compliance costs up front. Let's, let's, let's put paid up front. So in other words, uh, paid up front, and let's put at least equal to their own costs, at least equal – equal to costs of investigation, uh, investigation. All right, so how this would work, investigation. Oh, even Marco's off today. Everybody's off today. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Um, except all people listen on podcasts, you know, uh, most people listen on podcasts still. So uh, I'll talk to you, you know, in delayed <laughs> by however, however many hours or days or weeks. It takes before you finally uh, get this show. So equal to the cost of, of investigation. So in other words, if the, um, the Southern District of New York, the most corrupt FBI uh, division in the country, um, Jack Smith, the other idiot who's uh, prosecuting Trump, all the idiots that are prosecuting Trump, um, if, they, if they spend $10 million you know, a month <laughs> on Trump, they have to give Trump $10 million in compliance costs. And they have to reimburse Trump you know, or pay in advance. They have to advance, you know, if they're spending $50 million, then they have to give Trump $50 million to fight the lawsuit. So in other words, if they go after a mom and pop shop and say it's a small investigation, they're only spending $100,000, they give the mom and pop shop $100,000 compliance costs or whatever it costs. And then, of course, they can bill, let's put another provision in, can bill government for extra expenses. Bill government for additional expenses. For additional expenses, additional and additional expenses. Now, of course, that get, that might get interesting too, <laughs> you know, because people are like they're going to bill for everything. They're going to pad the, They're going to try and get as much money out of the government they can. I mean, people I know people, right? So, but it's going to be interesting. But yeah, they should be able to do that. Go before a judge and say, well, I don't know about well, judges work for the government. That's why I'm suspicious. But anyway, there's, there's some good ones out there, um, and be able to say, wait a minute, they they uh, they only pay me. Uh, you know, $150,000, but this investigation cost me $200,000 by the time I hired a lawyer, you know, uh, photocopied all the pages, you know, uh, spent all the time, you know, bought lunch on the way. I mean, it just cost me $200,000. Oh, okay, fine. We'll give you an extra, government will give you an extra 50000 in compliance costs. Now, the question is, you know, reimburse winner or loser. So I think they should pay it whether, they win, whether the government wins or loses. Reimburse, especially if they lose. Win or lose. So if the government wins, should they have to pay the, the, the cost? Yeah, I think so. So let's go reimburse win or lose uh, by government. Yeah. So in other words, just the fact that they're bringing it. So uh, it shouldn't cost people to be investigated by the government. That's what I'm saying. It shouldn't cost you, especially if, if, if you're innocent. If they're just, you know, and what hopefully this will do is, is, uh, is curb their bogus investigations because they actually do, have, you know, they're sort of limited. And if it turns out they're investigating a bunch of people, they're spending a bunch of money, not only on the investigation, but giving the same amount of money to the, the person they're investigating in compliance costs with the investigation. 
you know, that, that doubles the cost of all their investigations, which, of course, is the whole idea. But like I say, it shouldn't cost you money if the government investigates you. Anyway, so let's bring that to Trump. Trump is spending millions of dollars. I think $40 million at last count. $40 million. I, I'll never make $40 million. Well, maybe I will make $40 million in my lifetime. I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak too early. But the point is that uh, he's spending millions of dollars. He shouldn't have to spend a dime on the investigation because all they're trying to do is cost him money. So if you take the money out of it, yeah, you get time. Well, you can hire lawyers. So let them investigate it. He shouldn't be complying at all anyway because this is all bogus and everybody knows it's bogus. He should be countersuing them. So where are the Republican geldings? You know, the only person who's, who's doing anything, and, it, and it's, you know, milquetoast at best, is, is my congressman, Matt Gates, who wants to defund Jack Smith. Great. So they find some other stooge to do it. That's not very effective. Or maybe defund the office. Well, they'll create another office. Now, you need to defund the entire Department of Justice. Why do I say that? <gasps> oh, no. The criminals, the terrorists, they'll all run crazy. The country will be taken over. Well, the country has been taken over by a coup d'etat. I don't know if you noticed, but we're under an illegal government. One of the main enforcers of that illegal government is the Department of Justice. Or in this case, the Department, I should start calling them the, the Department of Tyranny Enforcement, because <laughs> that's what they are. The, the DOTP, the Department of Tyranny, no, D-O-T-E, the DOTS, <laughs> D-O-T-E, DOT. D-O-T-E, Department of Tyranny Enforcement. <laughs> good. See, the, the fun I have here, tyranny that's what happens when you leave me by myself with nobody to talk to. Enforcement. Yep, Department of Tyranny Enforcement. There we go. So that's the, the you know. So the new Department of Tyranny Enforcement um, should not exist. You know, because all they're doing is they're, they're, they're prosecuting Trump simply to keep him out of the election. They're taking up his time and his money so he can't go do rallies. You know, and he can't go spend money on uh, Trump One to go visit different places. Why? Because they know he's going to win. He's going to win anyway. But they're just making it harder, as hard as they can. Well, that's, uh, these people are all thrown in jail for election fraud. That's another story. Let's defund them first. Let's stop all, everything they're doing. You take, if you want to stop the government, you, know, you don't bring them in front of a hearing. You, know, you, don't, you don't lambaste them in the press. They don't care. You take away their money. <laughs> Once you take away their money, they're not going to spend their own money. The government people, they're cheap. Okay? So you take away their money, and away you go. Now you've got something, right? And so what we need to do is, is well, gee, Greg, what, how can we defund the entire Department of Justice? Well, because they're constitutionally, you know, uh, outside. Nothing they do is constitutional. The entire Department of Justice is not, you know, nothing they do is constitutional. Because all the things, that, all the crimes that they go after, all the things that they affect, all the, the, the U.S. attorneys and the, you know, the, the prosecutions and the federal prisons and all that kind of stuff, none of that is authorized by the Constitution. Why? Because crime except for three, crime isn't mentioned in the Constitution. There was no delegation of, by the states through the Constitution to the federal government to have anything to do with crime, except treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. That's it. We'll get to that in a little bit. So who handles crime? The states do. Oh, gee, what a concept, right? The states. The states handle crime. That's the job. Okay, state police, local police, county sheriffs, the city police, Rural police, you know, as a be the sheriff's, you know, that's who handles crime. State investigators, district attorneys, you know, local jails, county jails, state penitentiaries. <laughs> that's it. You know, there's no federal prisons. Well, maybe, maybe Gitmo, <laughs> you know, for terrorists. But that's a different story. 
But quite honestly, there's no need for federal prisons because there's only three federal crimes. So when Stuart Rhodes called us from the Oklahoma federal prison for, quote, insurrection, you know, I mean, well, let me look it up. Let me just, uh, let's see if it's actually a crime that the federal government can prosecute. Uh, where am I going to find insurrection? I think it's section four, article, uh, article four. Let's see, it's article, article three. This is the Supreme Court, article four, section four. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government, not a democracy, just in case you were wondering, and shall protect each of them against invasion. Well, that's not being done. We're being invaded. And on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Okay, that's right. Uh, well, we're getting that too, apparently. So where's, the, where's the, the insurrection clause? I know it's in here somewhere. Uh, let's see what it says on insurrection. I better look this one up. This I really need to have a producer someday. Someday, 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 you know, so put Constitution on insurrection. Hang on, Constitution, whoop, I got an X in there that shouldn't be there. Constitution on in, ah, on insurrection. See, I, just, I typed up in and it immediately pulls up insurrection. Let's see what the clause is here. 14th Amendment, oh, section three. Oh, now I know. Isn't that easy? <laughs> I love doing it. I could not do the show without the internet. So, uh, yeah, there we go. So I'll, I'll put my my, uh, my disarmament bill, which is what we're going to do. So 14th Amendment, Section 3. Let's take a look. Having my, my handy-dandy constitution with me at all times. Amendment 14. 16, 15, 14, Section 3. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of the state legislature or shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. So a state legislature or an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. Well, that means everybody who engaged in the coup that put Brandon in office is guilty of insurrection. Uh, and none of those people can ever hold office again. Okay, well, that's good. Insurrection or rebellion, because they engaged in both insurrection and rebellion. They rebelled against the Constitution by installing a fake government, because we know Trump won. They engaged in insurrection by, by staging one on top of the Capitol while they caused a real one underneath the Capitol, uh, twisting the arms of Congress so they'd vote for Brandon. That was the insurrection. That was the, that was the coup. Uh, giving aid and comfort to enemies thereof, but Congress said, okay, right. So it doesn't say that the federal government can prosecute insurrection. It doesn't say that. So there's no provision in the Constitution for, for prosecuting insurrection. All it says is, is that people who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion, um, you know, can't uh, hold office. It's the same. All right, there we go. Yeah, it says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector or, da, 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 or hold any office, civil or military. So in other words, you can't serve in government if you've rebelled against the government. But, but they don't prosecute. So, so what do you need the DOJ for? <laughs> Why do you need the Department of Justice? Um, you know, and, and who determines whether you're guilty of an insurrection anyway? Well, uh, that's a good question. That's not really spelled out. But there's no Department of Justice in the Constitution. There's no FBI in the Constitution. There's no national police force in the Constitution. There's no national anything in the Constitution because crime was a state matter. And since the states created the federal government, the states can prosecute crimes against the federal government. So in other words, if a citizen of, of Nebraska 
you know, tries to over. Well, let's let's see who tried to overthrow the government. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, citizen of California. Uh, Chuck Schumer, citizen of New York. Therefore, California and New York could prosecute them. But I'm wondering if other states can too. So, in other words, since the Constitution, you know, governs and all the states ratified, may, could not any state prosecute any of these people who are guilty of insurrection? Any of the Democrats or deep state Republicans who are guilty of insurrection should be able to be prosecuted by the states. Oh, there's an interesting thought. That's what I do here. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you want the newest, latest, uh, and, and uh, greatest ideas, uh, you come to Action Radio. If you want to hear leftover news and rehashed uh, talking points and uh, people whining and complaining, well, you go everywhere else. <laughs> that's just kind of how it works around here. So, so that's the idea. So now, uh, now let's get the details. Well, actually, I'll, I'll probably play my information piece in a bit here uh, and then give you the details. But the idea is that we don't need the Department of Justice. We don't need... Uh, I mean, they really got started during Prohibition, enforcing the, the Bolstead Act, which was repealed, by the way. When that was repealed, they should have repealed the Department of Justice along with it. Actually, wasn't it uh, Treasury guys? Elliot Ness, the G-men? <laughs> you know, where they, they were they were Treasury. Their job during Prohibition was to collect tax on the alcohol, even though the alcohol was illegal. It's kind of funny, actually. You know, that's like, why can't you own a machine gun? Well, you can, but you've got to pay a tax on it. So as long as you pay your tax, you're okay. Well, there are other laws, too, all of which are unconstitutional because a fully automatic uh, rifle uh, is, in fact, covered by the Second Amendment. But that's another discussion. Anyway, we don't need a DOJ. So we know that the, the, the insurrection law, again, does not say that the government prosecutes such cases. And since the police powers are all in the states, it's up to the states to prosecute insur- insurrection, not the federal government. So what do you need a DOJ for? You know, uh, and let me get to the main point here. There are only three crimes mentioned in the Constitution. I know I researched this for our bill on disarming the Fed. I wrote a really large bill a year ago, over a year ago, on, on taking um, all the, the bureaucrats that are armed, all 287,000 of them. By the way, there's only 180,000 Marines, active duty combat Marines, 180,000, right? 180,000, think about that. 180,000 Marines, over 287,000 bureaucrats. So there are over 100,000 more bureaucrats that are armed than we have Marines that are armed. I just thought that was interesting, <laughs> just to let you know in the perspective of things. So that's where we stand right now. So what we need to do is disarm them. And, but in the process of writing a bill to disarm all the bureaucrats, because there's nothing in the, in the Constitution that says that the uh, um, members of, of the, the executive branch of government can be armed. You know, and here's how it works. You know, uh, there are those in government that work opposite of the Constitution. They say, if the Constitution doesn't say we can't do it, then we can do it. No, that's not how it works. The Constitution says only what you can do. If the Constitution doesn't say you can do it, then you cannot. All right, so in other words, they, they read it backwards, but that's by design. They reverse the Second Amendment, they reverse the First Amendment. Oh, I should do that. I should do a show on the, the First Amendment reversal. I've done shows on the Second Amendment reversal. First Amendment... So they're the reversing all the amendments. First Amendment has been reversed. Being reversed. So the first one I did was the Second Amendment. All right. How has the Second Amendment been reversed? Come on, folks. You, you probably remember the show. How has the Second Amendment been reversed? Well, the Second Amendment says that, that we, the people, you know, can have all the guns we want. We can keep them bare. We can own and carry them. That right is absolute, as all rights are absolute. And the government can't touch it. That's what the Second Amendment says. That's, that's what the law says. So the federal government is restricted from touching your ability to own and carry any firearm, or any arm for that matter. Swords, knives, cannons, battleships, whatever, it doesn't matter. 
Government cannot touch your right to keep and bear. Now, as I have explained, if you use a firearm, you come under statutory law. And that use may be legal, in which case you're fine, or it may be illegal, in which case you're not. <laughs> you know? Okay, legal uses, self-defense, illegal uses, bank robbery. <laughs> it's pretty clear which are legal and illegal uses. But use doesn't come under rights. The minute you take action, you're outside the right. The right is a prohibition on government touching your right to do something. So it's, it's a pre-restraint on government. That's what a right is. A right restrains the government, prior restraint on government, before they take any action against you in the course of, of your right. So you're, you're 100% free to exercise your right. Now, the actions you take, though, however, are subject to statutory law. That's where it gets different, all right? So understand that. So that's why the Second Amendment has a, is it gives you an absolute, well, it doesn't. It, it stops the government from touching your absolute right to own and carry any firearm, any arm you want. Why? Well, because if you need some self-defense, it's got to be readily available, like instantly available. The only way it can be instantly available is, is that you have the right to uh, own and carry, you know, the means of your self-defense. Well, that only makes sense, right? Now, if you, if you pull your firearm and shoot some random person in the street, you've taken an action that's not legal. Does that come under the Second Amendment? No, there's nothing to do with the Second Amendment. Second Amendment just prohibits government uh, from stopping your ability to own and carry firearms. That's all it does. It's nothing to do with, with what actions you take. Same thing with free speech, right? You have an absolute right to free speech that the government cannot touch. The government cannot use prior restraint. The government cannot restrict you in advance. They cannot censor. They cannot do anything to your free speech at all. Nothing. The First Amendment is a prohibition on government. Now, if you start speaking... Can you speak in a way that violates the law? Sure. Libel, slander, threatening a public official. There's lots of ways you can speak, but your speech itself, the right of speech, cannot be touched. However, your actions, once you speak, are subject to statutory law, but statutory law being below constitutional law means that the right is supreme to the statutory laws governing what you actually do. And that's probably the clearest I can make that. So in other words, can you yell fire in a crowd? Do, well, let me put it this way. There's a difference between what happens if you yell fire in a crowded theater and do you have a right to yell fire in a crowded theater? That's always the example. Some, some constitutional judge, some judge on the Supreme Court said that. Gee, Greg, you said judge. It's supposed to be justice. No, it's not. Constitution says judge. How do I know? Because I've read it. <laughs> anybody, in fact, anybody that uh, says justice, I, I can tell you right now, they haven't read the Constitution. So they can talk about the Constitution. They can talk about the Supreme Court all they want, but if they say Supreme Court justice, I know they haven't read it because the Constitution says Supreme Court judge. I'll read it to you right now. Hang on. I'll prove it to you. Don't go away. You know, this is good stuff. The things you learn on the show that you won't learn anywhere else. This is why I'm so fascinated and, and frustrated when people say shows. You have to listen to this show, Greg. They're really good. It's like, yeah, I covered that two years ago. What? Well, you didn't listen to my show. Well, I can't. I'm watching all these other things. Okay, fine. So share my show to the person that you're trying to share their show to me, and then we'll talk. Article 3. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior, in other words, lower, courts, as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish, which means they may from time to time unordain and unestablish. <laughs> it kind of goes that way. There's always a flip side to the Constitution, uh, to everything in the Constitution. The judges, oh, there's the line. <gasps> Second sentence. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. <gasps> Not lifetime. So instead of saying, this is what people think it says. People think it says the justices, both of the Supreme and Inferior Courts, shall hold their offices for life. That's not what it says. It doesn't say the justices and it doesn't say for life. It says the judges, 
both of the Supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices during good behavior. Well, that doesn't mean only high crimes and misdemeanors. That means acting appropriately. You know, there's all kinds of behavior that's bad that's still legal. <laughs> a lot of things you, you can do that are just bad behavior that are perfectly legal. So we don't make everything illegal. There'll be too many laws. All right. Judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution. Not equal to the Constitution, not supreme over the Constitution. Under. The, the judicial power, the entire judicial power of the Supreme Court is under the Constitution. So those idiots that come along and say, well, there's two. In fact, I even heard uh, one of the Convention of States people. Well, the uh, Constitution uh, isn't the Constitution. It isn't the pocket thing that you, you have. Constitution is all the case law from the Supreme Court. No, it's not. I know it's not. It says right here, <laughs> you know, uh, the judicial power shall, shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under the Constitution. So the judicial power of the Supreme Court is under the Constitution. Rare. Okay. You know, uh, the laws of the United States and treaties made, uh, which shall be made under their authority. By the way, treaties apply to government. They don't apply to people. <laughs> government ma- makes treaties between governments. We're not part of that, and I'll, I'll explain why that. This is an article I'll be, I'll be covering uh, in, in upcoming shows regarding that. But that's, that, that's kind of fascinating to me. Anyway, so the judges, they're only there for good behavior, and uh, they only have power um, under the Constitution. So why do we need a Department of Justice? There's only three crimes in the Constitution. Treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. Ooh. But gee, Greg, don't we need the Department of Justice for them? No, we don't. All right, 7.33? 7.33. Standard time, we'll take a break. I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? With those three crimes, who covers those crimes, and why we don't need a Department of Justice? Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. 
Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Okay, so the question is, uh, if we don't get rid of, if we get rid of the Department of Justice, because all they're doing is prosecuting Trump, they're being used as Praetorian Guard, they're being used as a as a secret police, as a KGB, as a as a NVKD, uh, as a Stasi, as a Cuban secret police, as a you know, you name it, name the country, you know, Roman, like I say, Praetorian Guard, yeah, any any uh, kind of uh, secret government, uh, you know, Ministry of Internal Security, you know, Department of Truth, all that kind of stuff. Uh, 1984. It's all the same thing, right? They're all they're all government agencies designed to, uh, you know, keep the the current dictators in power. I mean, that's what they do, right? That's what the DOJ is doing. They're keeping the current dictatorship in power. They're keeping an illegal government in power. They're refusing to investigate the vote fraud that they caused, obviously, <laughs> you know. And so that's what they're doing. So so my my thing is, uh, you know, considering that they have no legitimate authority under the Constitution, and all the crimes that are mentioned in the Constitution can be handled and are being handled by other. Uh, departments of government, there's no reason for the DOJ to exist. And if there's no reason for the DOJ to exist, why are we funding them? So if we stop funding them, we send them all out to other places or fire them. It's probably, I would fire them. It's probably time they retired anyway. They're probably too corrupt to serve in government at this point if they've been with the DOJ, especially Merrick Garland. You know, they need to go in the private sector and earn a legitimate living. But the thing to do, but you've got to get rid of them because they're, they're unnecessary. You know, so they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And, but, the, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Ironically, there's nothing they should be doing because all their crimes are handled by other, other places. So the three crimes are treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. Those are the three, three federal crimes mentioned in the Constitution. I know. I researched this for a bill. Treason. What is treason? Treason is giving aid and comfort to the enemy in times of declared war. The reason I say declared war is because no war is legitimate unless it's been declared. So Afghanistan, Iraq, Korea, Vietnam, Bosnia... You know, Libya, uh, it doesn't matter where we've gone. Now, it doesn't mean we can't take military action independently. Look at the, the Maya Guez under Jerry Ford when he rescued uh, our, our sailors from a captured ship. In, from, I think it was, it was North Vietnam 
I'm not sure. Anyway, the Mayaguez was captured. Uh, it was a spy ship, much like the Pueblo, that was captured you know, when Johnson was president, but he didn't rescue them. He let them sit there in North Korea forever. Uh, stupid move. Anyway, they eventually came out. But, uh, but yeah, so, so there's uh, mil- rescues? Absolutely. Military can rescue. They can save ships. Who was it? They, uh, the, the guy that Tom Hanks played, the captain of uh, some kind of a, either a tanker or a container ship uh, in these Straits of Hormuz off Iran when these Iranian gunboats came up and took over the ship. Pirates. Oh, so maybe the Somali pirates. Yeah, Somali pirates took over the ship. Well, the Navy came by and assassinated them. Well, didn't assassinate Killed them. It's better. So that they had uh, Captain What's-His-Name in, in, on board this little uh, life craft, and the Navy came up and shot him. Good. You know, you, you don't need a declaration of war for that. <laughs> You're protecting American citizens. So, yes, there are certain things that the military can do. You know, if China launches hypersonic missiles at us, they'll be here in 10 minutes. We don't have time for a declaration of war. That's an automatic. Mr. President, you've got 30 seconds to decide. Okay, launch. You know, I mean, that's how you do it, right? Uh, Congress can delegate certain emergency powers owing to the fact that time, you know, there is inconceivable that you would have enough time to, uh, you know, to get a declaration of war. So, but after the initial, yeah, you better have a declaration of war. So in other words, could uh, Franklin Roosevelt, who did get, get a declaration of war, uh, were our forces legitimate in defending themselves in Pearl Harbor before a declaration of war? Absolutely. We were attacked. I mean, obviously you can respond and you can attack them. In fact, you can go hunt down there the, the carrier task force that came to Pearl Harbor and sink it without a declaration of war. Now, can you go, can you then continue on to war against Japan? No. <laughs> that, now you got some time. So now you get the declaration. So treason as a crime is only technically a crime that is enforceable during a time of war under a declaration of war. And the, the last time we had a declaration of war was World War II. So treason, although we talk about traitors all the time as, as people that are, uh, um, that are destroying of their own country, like, kind of like quislings. Right, quislings is another good term. What's a quisling? I haven't looked that up. That's a term Michael Sett taught me years ago. Quisling, quisling, quisling. It was like some Norwegian officer who completely bent to the, the whim of uh, the occupiers. Quisling, a trader who collaborates with an enemy force occupying their country. So, yeah, so Quislings. So a lot of Quislings. But traitors technically, um, treason technically is a crime that's only enforceable during war. Let's look up uh, treason. T-R-E-A-S-O-N. Noun. Also high treason. A crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. That's not the definition. The act of betraying someone or something. Well, that may be. The crime of murdering someone in the... Who's calling me during my show? I hear something beeping. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, people saying, don't send me messages during the show. I'm busy. I'm doing the show. Okay, so this is the wrong definition. So, uh, what's buzzing? I'm hearing buzzing. It's kind of weird. All right, anyway. Uh, so, i got to find you a better one. Let's, let's look up Trader. Because the definition of treason, the technical definition, uh, T-R-A-I-T-O-R, I wonder if I do it in my bill. A person who betrays a friend, country, principal, et cetera. Yeah, this is, these are not good definitions. All right, let me see if I can find you. Uh, let's get to my bill. So I wrote a bill um, a while back, uh, J- July 11, 2022, um, talking about, well, actually what it does is disarming the federal government of their unconstitutional armaments. So not only is the DOJ um, not justified by the Constitution, even, there's nothing that says the government people can be armed. So let me see what I did for research, uh, federal crimes. Let me read you exactly. Um, oh, here we go. So part two, 
three federal crimes only in the Constitution. All right, so let's, let's go exactly what I wrote, because what I wrote is better than me just kind of you know, winging it off the cuff right now. So the bill is at writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-E-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And the bill is disarming the federal government of their unconstitutional armaments. So in other words, all 287,000, over 14 divisions of armed bureaucrats in the federal government should all be disarmed. Why? Because nothing in the Constitution allows them to, to own and carry uh, guns uh, and, uh, for any duty of the federal government. It's not there. Anyway, so, but the reason I mention that is the, justice, the Department of Justice you know, is supposed to prosecute federal crimes. Well, there's only three federal crimes, so let's talk about that. So part two of my bill, very simply, three federal crimes only in the Constitution. This is right from my bill, so you can read it yourself. The Constitution only declares three federal crimes for which the federal government has jurisdiction. Treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. For more, for more information, see Find Law, July 3rd, 2013, an article by Brett Stewart, Esquire. The information below comes in part from that article. And, of course, I give you the, uh, the, the website for that article. I mean, I should get that for the show. So, well, actually, now I'll pull it right now. I'll pull it up later if I need it. This executive department bureaucracy, bureaucracy army is on. Oh, yeah. The executive department bureaucracy army is unconstitutional, illegal, and in order to bring the federal government back into compliance with the Constitution, must be disarmed. All right, so let's talk about the three crimes. Treason is the one we're talking about right now. Article 3, Section 3 of the Constitution defines treason as, and this is better than my online dictionary, levying war against the United States, adhering to the nation's enemies, or giving our nation's enemies. That's what treason is, okay? So how's the Justice Department going to enforce that against American individuals? Do American individuals levy war against the United States? No, countries do. Actually, our own, gov- our own government does in, in terms of the uh, 15 million invasion horde that's coming across our non-existent southern border. Adhering to a nation's enemies. Well, I've been doing that too with China. So one can say that uh, the, the occupation government, the coup d'etat that overthrew our government through insurrection uh, is actually uh, also guilty of treason because they're adhering to the nation's enemies. In other words, China, Russia, and helping everybody else except the United States. It's kind of interesting now. Then it says, or giving our nation's enemies aid and comfort. Yep, they're doing that too. So by all the definitions of treason, the, the Brandon insurrection, Obama, and everybody else associated with the deep state are by definition of the Constitution, Article 3, Section 3, traitors. Isn't the penalty death for traitors? We'll go into that later. Anyway, treason is determined by, this is from my, from my, um, from my bill, treason is determined by Congress and the courts. It is not a bureaucratic law enforcement function. Let me say that again. Treason is determined by Congress and the courts. That's actually in the Constitution. It is not a bureaucratic law enforcement function. So let's take a look at Article 3, Section 3. Article 3, Section 3, treason. Article 3 is the Supreme Court. Yet, yet another reason we don't need a Department of Justice. That's not what I'm leading to. You don't need a Department of Justice. Article 3, Section Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The Congress shall have the power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture during the life of the person attained. I'm not sure what that means. I think it's someone that knows old, uh, old English. So anyway, no person shall be convicted of treason unless upon the testimony. Right, there we go. So, uh, yeah. Uh, treason against the United States shall The Congress shall have the power to declare the punishment of treason. So Congress. Congress uh, takes care of treason. How about that? 
Supreme Court, I think, has, a, has an impact on that, too. I, I don't see the Department of Justice. There's no executive branch. So treason is not part of the federal government executive branch. It's not. Article 3, Section 3 of the United States Constitution, and there we go. I read, in fact, exactly what I just said. Here's the second crime, piracy. Okay, does the federal government, bureaucrats, you know, does the Department of Justice enforce, you know, uh, laws against piracy? No. Article 1, Section 8, this is from my bill. Article 1, Section 8 of the, US, of the Constitution, the article dedicated to Congress, gives the Congress the power to, quote, define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations. I'm not sure what the law of nations is, but we'll look into that. Again, my bill says, no executive agency or department is charged with the responsibility of piracy. Therefore, no agent or officer of the executive branch can be armed for such purpose, which means the DOJ. The DOJ has nothing to piracy. They, don't, you know, they, they have no federal authority in the Constitution to touch piracy. And then it says jurisdiction on the high seas goes to the Coast Guard and the Navy, which are outside the scope of this act and are by definition armed for the defense and protection of this nation. Yeah. So, so, so protection against piracy on the high seas is the Navy. Okay, well, the Navy's not part of the Department of Justice. Uh, Coast Guard, you know, they, they handle piracy too because they're law enforcement. They're part of the Treasury, and they can be also detailed to the Department of Defense. So the Coast Guard, who else can handle piracy? How about air piracy? The Air Force, the State Air National Guards, you know, Civil Air Patrol. <laughs> There's a lot of places that handle piracy, uh, none of which are the Department of Justice. So there's crime number two. How about the last one? Counterfeiting. Congress is charged in Article 1, Section 8, quote, to provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin of the United States. That would include dollar bills printed, too. The same Fed Find Law article mentioned above also says the Secret Service, along with protecting U.S. heads of state, is also charged with protecting the integrity of the nation's currency by investigating and arresting counterfeiters. So the Secret Service is not part of the Department of Justice. So again, there's no reason for the Department of Justice, right? Therefore, the Secret Service can be, this is my uh, bill, the Secret Service can be constitutionally armed for those purposes. The Secret Service, however, must be returned to the Treasury Department where it traditionally existed and removed from the new Department of Homeland Security, which has no provision in the Constitution to be armed or to exist. Isn't that interesting? So the Treasury is mentioned in the Constitution. So the Treasury you know, is, is a lawful government agency. The Department of Homeland Security is not, just to let you know. So the Treasury being law, so the Secret Service being a lawful federal entity should be put under a bigger lawful federal entity, the Treasury Department. That's what they're supposed to be. So with Secret Service and Treasury, um, treason handled by the Congress, well, who's going to force it? Who's going to go out and arrest the, the traitors? Well, the U.S. Marshal Service, I would say. U.S. Marshal Service I, might be part of the Department of Justice, but they're still separate. So we could, we could fund the, the U.S. Marshals for enforcing the very few crimes of treason, <laughs> maybe piracy, maybe counterfeiting, if, if the Secret Service needs help, right? But otherwise, the U.S. Marshals don't really need to exist because there's only three federal crimes, treason, piracy, and uh, counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is handled by the, the, the Secret Service. Treason is handled by the Congress, maybe a few U.S. Marshals. And uh, piracy is handled by our military and the Coast Guard and uh, Air National Guards and uh, you know, anybody else. Local police can handle piracy. You know, if you hijack a truck, that's piracy. Right? You don't have to wear a patch and go, arr, Mickey's arr, I took your truck. You have to do that. Anyway, so all this stuff's happening. Let's see if anybody's on live chat. Nobody's calling in yet. Nope. nope no one's on the live chat either. It's really good here this morning. I'm talking to myself for an hour. 
But that's basically it. So I might find this bill here. Maybe I'll post uh, post this article. It's kind of interesting. My, uh, Cornell Legal Information Institute is my favorite source when it comes to legal issues. So anyway, so that's why we don't need a Department of Justice, because the only federal crimes are outside the jurisdiction. So why do we have a Department of Justice? So my point is, throughout this whole thing, since the Department of Justice has no constitutional authority to exist, we don't need them. Because all they're doing is stuff that's illegal, going after Trump, election interference. So rather than just defund the special prosecutor, we need to defund the entire federal government. This article is kind of interesting. Find law. Which three crimes are in the Constitution? Brett Snyder, Esquire, on July 3rd, 2013. Ah, there's Pianchi. Let's see what he has to say about this. Good morning. I was hoping for a friendly voice. <laughs> it's been just me for the most of this hour. Well, why do you need someone to call in? You're doing a pretty good job. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I, I technically, you I guess I don't. You take control of the yoke when the student is doing bad things. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know my standard for flight instruction? It's funny. I used to tell my students this, too. They're like, when are you going to take over? I, say, I used to tell them, just before too late. <laughs> That was my standard. <laughs> so I'll be there just before too late. We're going to go right up to the line, right up to the danger point. And, and before anything serious happens, I'll be there. I'll, 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 but I want to give <laughs> – they used to laugh at you. You're kidding, right? I said, no, I'm not kidding. So why do you do that? I said, because I want to give you every chance to do it on your own, to see the problem, to recognize if I have to take over, that means you have you – know, you are not at the point where you can exercise correct judgment to see that there's a problem coming. Because if it gets to the point where I have to take over, it's literally just before too late. If I wait any longer, it's going to be too late. That's my standard. And I used to explain this to them. You know, and I'd let planes go. Actually, I had a guy, remember we were flying twins, uh, doing multi-engine instruction. And we were literally on a single, I think we, I don't know if we, had we cut, we might have cut the single engine, or at least we were idled. No, I think we idled it. I don't think we ever actually cut it unless we were up high. Uh, yeah, so we are idled one of the engines. And we're coming down, and he's getting a little bit low. And I thought to myself, is he going to make this? You know, and I made a little suggestion that you want to check your altitude and the airspeed, you know, VYMC and all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, VYSE, I'm sorry. Uh, speed you maintain on a single engine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little wider flight course, a little stuff like that. And, and one of the guys was also, we had a, uh, another instructor on board. He said, I can't believe you let it go that long. I said, well, you know, my standard just before too late. Okay. <laughs> It was a great teaching moment. But yeah, I've taught more things by, 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 you know, waiting just that little bit extra, not jumping in too fast. Anyway, you're right, though, uh, as far as uh, as far as doing the show. Yeah, I can do it on my own, but it's more fun to talk to people. That's why I like it. All right. So treason, piracy, counterfeiting. You've been you've been on this roadshow with me before. Um, so let me ask you the big question, since those are the only three crimes. And since treasons handled by Congress and maybe the U.S. Marshals, piracy by the military uh, and the National Guard and counterfeiting by the Treasury and maybe local state police, why do we need a Department of Justice? All they're doing is, is screwing up and acting as terrorists. Well, i tell you one thing. Uh, we see how it's been weaponized, so that's a good point you make here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that, you know, because I've already got a bill. It's over a year old now, just over. But we had our one-year anniversary, July 11th, so it was just about three weeks. So it was a year and three weeks old to disarm all the bureaucrats because there's nothing in the Constitution that says that government uh, bureaucrats can be armed. And that includes the FBI. There's nothing in the Constitution that says we can have a national police force, and that is the FBI. 
So there's really nothing in the Constitution now, I'm extending it further, that says we can have a Department of Justice. Because the, the crimes, the only three crimes in the Constitution, treason, piracy, and counterfeiting, are handled by other departments other than the Department of Justice. So, the, so this agency, this is probably why they, now think about this. Here's a question for you. Is the reason that they are getting in so much trouble and doing so many illegal things because they don't have any legitimate duties? They're all being done by other departments. And they've just grown so big, they've created their own little, little fiefdom, their own little kingdom, their own little deep state within the government doing things other than treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. They're actually doing domestic terrorism. They've become an internal security KGB. That's another good reason well, to fund them. It's one thing for sure they are not going after what is quite obvious crooks who have yeah. committed crimes. So that affects where the problem lies. But the most important thing, like you may mention, is states. States yeah. have became acclimated in taking a second fiddle seat in this whole ordeal, whereas they should be the one that's putting uh, setting mm-hmm. standards and putting the pressure on. Yeah, state penitentiaries. I mean, there's no reason for federal jails, for federal uh, prisons, because there's only three crimes. I mean, how many how many people? First of all, treason is only really well. Let me read this. It's only in time of declared war. So the article that, I, that I, I quoted in my bill, Find Law, Which Three Crimes Are Under the U.S. Constitution, by Brett Snyder, Esquire, July 3rd, 2013. So it's a few years old. It's 10 years old. But it says treason. It isn't a surprise that treason is defined in the Constitution as the founders likely wanted to know how our fledgling nation would deal with enemies within its borders. So that's, that's what a traitor is, enemies within our borders. And that would be the Department of Justice right now. They are an enemy within our border. They are traitors. They are levying war against the United States. They are adhering to our nation's enemies, you know, China and Russia, uh, and they are give, as is the entire deep state and the whole Brandon insurrection, and they are giving our nation's enemies aid and comfort, transferring all our money and, and wealth and stuff to China. So they are, by definition, traitors. Well, take drugs, for instance. Okay. Drugs, I don't, but, you know. The federal government, yeah. as a conversation, the federal government imposed uh, these laws against drugs. But they have an open border where drugs can come in not only past the national borders, but they're coming across state borders. Mm-hmm. Now, can so states... they're committing a problem to exist. Yeah. So here's the question I asked earlier. Can states prosecute people for trying to overthrow the federal government? Well, if, they, if, if the federal government is formed by the states, I would say that they could, yes. I think so, too. Yeah, and that, that was the question I raised. So, in other words, the, uh, the coup could be prosecuted by the states. Now, the question is, could a state prosecute people that aren't in their district? So, in other words, could Texas prosecute Jack Smith, who's operating in New York, illegally, under the illegal authority of the Department of Justice, to illegally prosecute Donald Trump, for non-existent crimes, simply to keep him off the ballot, to keep him busy and make him spend money and time. Donald Trump is a resident of Florida. They shouldn't be able to do that. I don't, you know, so should, this is a good question. Actually, this is even better. So, so Florida, if Trump is a resident of Florida, I think we talked about this with the Mar-a-Lago raid, could not Florida prosecute Jack Smith for prosecutorial misconduct for one of one of our citizens, in other words, Donald Trump. But yet they aren't doing it. 
Huh. Well, that would be getting around to placing the authority as it was attended back into the state's hand. Mm-hmm. We can see that uh, that that reality is probably going to become come to fruition here sooner than than far the way things have been going. Yeah. You know, I was just reading a uh, Massachusetts uh, MassResistance.org where uh, in uh, a librarian was fired from her job mm-hmm. at a board meeting. I think the board meeting was in Ohio. I'm not sure. I just got to read it. And the librarian is using an excuse because she wouldn't. It was in Wyoming. Campbell County, oh, right, and Paris was on the same complaint about pornographic material is being in these libraries at schools, and they don't want their kids to be exposed to it. Right. So at the meeting, you had a room full of leftists that came that was against her being fired. Then she had the audacity to say that if she removed the books, it would be going against the First Amendment. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, but children, you know, there's exceptions for things that can be exposed to children. Children don't have those First Amendment rights like an adult do, and especially when they're under the guidance of their parents as far as being exposed to certain things. Yeah, and parents can, can, they can regulate what the kids are exposed to. Yeah, let me let me uh, something I was pointing out in the beginning of the show that I think will make a lot of sense to you. Uh, we should talk about this a whole bunch. And Bonnie's on the line too, so I'm going to bring her on uh, in just a second. But um, rights are not, you know, uh, for for Absolutely. the individual. The rights mm-hmm. are for prohibiting the government from touching the individual. So in other words, the right to free speech does not mean. That, uh, as we said before, the use of speech does not, is not guaranteed by the First Amendment. There are things that you can't say, libel, slander, threatening public officials, things like that. Um, but as far as what it is, what the First Amendment is, so when it, it's almost like a misnomer when we say, you know, it goes against my First Amendment rights. Well, your right is to be free from the government touching in any way your ability to speak. That's what the First Amendment says. Yeah, that's basically what the First Amendment says about this. Right. But what I'm saying is the emphasis, it's a limitation on government. Constitutions limit governments, including bills of rights. Laws limit people. So if you look at the Constitution as a limit on government, you know, the government cannot touch anything that has to do with free speech. Now, in terms of pornography in the library, um, they've already created that speech. They've taken an action. And so as we've talked about on the show, this is, you know, Greg's legal theory. Once you go into an action mode, Okay, a right is something that prevents the government from doing something in advance of you doing something. But if you take an action, that action then falls under statutory law. So the question is, pornography in schools, they've taken an action. They've published books that are pornographic and put them in schools and subjected minors to to being able to see them, to have free access to them. Is that a violation of law? And the answer is, yes, it is. It's got nothing to do with the First Amendment. First Amendment limits government from touching your, your, your ability to engage in free speech in advance. But if the government yeah, takes right, action, because, go ahead. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you have some states have sent messages out to these porn sites uh-huh. that you allow to show the porn in, in, to any resident in the United States. You have to do a proof of age. 
Yeah. But make sure that they're over 18. Yeah. So what you just said is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It becomes law once the action. Once the action has been precluded, now you're dealing with the law. And I, right. and you're right. The First Amendment puts the Constitution puts restrictions on the federal government from interposing themselves upon the citizens. Right. So a right is like a firewall. The government cannot cross that line. Uh, and because of the 14th Amendment, the equal protection, privileges, immunities, and the fact that we are citizens of our state as well as citizens of the United States, that the 14th Amendment says the Bill of Rights applies to all government throughout the United States. So that's the firewall. Mm-hmm. So the limitation, so First Amendment, and, and this is such a – I'm going to play Bonnie's theme and I'll bring her in. This is, this is absolutely – well, let me bring her in first, then I'll play a theme. It might get distracting. Um. Okay, there we go. So, Bonnie, does that make does this make sense? This might be a new argument for you that there's a difference between a right, which is a firewall on government that they cannot cross, and an action that you as an individual take. And yet, the, the, there's a difference between them. Does that make sense? That argument that we're using now. Bonnie? Yeah, it, it does make sense. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I do now. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if, Sorry. You know, yeah. might taken, well, that might not be your fault. It might have taken a while to unmute. Okay. Do you have any comment on that? Because I'm going to play your theme. We're going to kind of leap right into your stuff or we can pick right up with this. But it's been, a, it's been an interesting hour this morning already. No, it, I, I definitely agree. There is, there is a difference between that. And um, one of the interesting things that I had an argument come about, gosh, a decade ago, somebody mm-hmm. arguing the right to food, basically no, claiming no argument. the argument that we, we have a right to. And there is a difference between that. Is it a born right or is it something that you have to take action toward? And so it plays right into what you were talking about. Well, that's, that's the other side of the argument, too, because you don't have a right to anything. Mm-hmm. So what Correct. a right is, is, a, is a, a right is a limitation on government from precluding you from, from engaging mm-hmm. in prior restraint, from restricting you from, from even taking an action. That's what a right is. So a right is something that you right. exercise without government interference. Now, how you exercise, Correct. that's something entirely different. That's an action. And once you cross over from right into action, in other words, you have the right to keep and bear arms. But once you draw that firearm, now you're into action mode. Now you're covered by statutory law. But statutory law is below right. constitutional law, and that's why gun control is unconstitutional, because it's a prior restraint. So the government can't do that. Exactly. But the government can make laws against uses of firearms, you know, carjacking, whereas they can, they sure. can make things legal by not making laws against them, self-defense. Let me play your theme. This is, this, is, mm-hmm. this is getting an interesting morning here. There she sits, behind the microphone, a mild-mannered radio talk show host, news and weather person. But that's only part of the story. She's really a secret agent. Meet Bonnie Nesbitt, or as we address her, Bond. Jane Bond. Jane Bond travels the world incognito, trying to ferret out the world's most interesting stories and talking to the world's most dangerous people. So join us now as we go into the secret world of our secret agent, Bonnie Nesbitt, with her secret report, available exclusively on Action Radio. And now, Bonnie Nesbitt, also known as... Jane Bond with The Bond Report on Action Radio. Well, I make you sound all mysterious and everything. <laughs> okay, Miss Mysterious. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, all women are mysterious, so there is that common thread. <laughs> yeah, until we figure them out, but we don't tell you that we figure you, you folks out, so that we keep you thinking you're mysterious. It's really kind of an interesting game we all play. That that sounds like a Monday chat with Dorothy, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I should bring it up with her sometime. Yeah, we let you think you're mysterious, but you know, we know better. All right, so did you want to continue this at all? Because uh, I'm going to get back to it in the third hour. But do you think we can uh, defund the DOJ and, and uh, not suffer any ill uh, consequences and actually it would benefit us? And Trump, especially. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree that it should probably be defunded. And it's like the first step to take in order to get something done, because without something entirely serious like defunding it, no reorganization or restructuring of any kind is going to happen. And obviously it would benefit Trump because of the fact that the Department of Justice all along the way from the simplistic nature of extending voting periods, Mm -hmm. all of that would be undone. It would just be undone. And it needs to be undone because there should be nothing that's extending a time. Election day should be election day. When it comes to mail-in ballots, I, for one, am kind of opposed to mail-in ballots if you're not military. There's really no excuse. So No, I don't, I don't I, even I, need it for the military. I disagree with it. You can, count, you can count ballots on foreign military bases and just transmit the results. This is, after all, the True. 21st century. There's no reason to, to exactly. mail there military is a way. ballots. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, She's right, too. Go ahead, Bianca. That election, election rules and regulations are promulgated by the states, not the federal government. Mm-hmm. Have, yeah, exactly. They have no jurisdiction there whatsoever. So the, the whole reason I went to that first hour, and this is why I'm really glad we're, we're continuing this a little bit, is that the, you know, it's, it's really good to get in one big podcast that the DOJ really serves no legitimate function whatsoever. The only three crimes <laughs> of the federal government, as we talked, are you laughing? <laughs> no. Oh, no, no, I, I was wasn't laughing. It was kind of funny, actually. Did or, or I, I heard? I was trying to get reactions, but uh, yeah, if you want to jump in, feel free. But uh, yeah, the, once we prove that the government, that the DOA, the Department of Justice, the the FBI, KGB, have no legitimate function, it's a lot easier to to defund them. Again, there are only three crimes: treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. Um, you know, Congress and and the U.S. Marshals can handle treason. Uh, the military, Coast Guard, and uh, National Guard, and even the state police can handle piracy. You know, and counterfeiting is the Secret Service, which is is now Homeland Security, but it should go back to Treasury. So the Department of Justice has no legitimate function. There are no federal crimes under the jurisdiction of the Department of Justice in the Constitution. That's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. revelation. Put that together yeah. last night. Yeah. So all they're doing is becoming Praetorian Guards, a secret police force, a KGB, a Stasi, an NVKD or NKAVD, whatever there was, I forgot what the initials, you know, the Cuban secret police, all they're being doing, all they're doing is a terrorist, communist, dictatorship, secret police force. And they've been allowed to grow because they have no legitimate function. None. Right. Yeah. If, well, except for making our lives a dividing line, because quite honestly, every single law mm-hmm. that has been passed has just put more division into the country. So whether or not they declare abortion to be legal or whether or not they declare Obamacare to be a form of medical care that is acceptable. All of these things that have come along the way have been nothing more than basically gaslighting differing opinions from the get-go. And they yeah, we, alone we have the authority this, but, uh, to read that constitution uh, and declare it. Right. Um, I think you're, you're, you're crossing over uh, judiciary with the uh, Department of Justice. The Department of Justice is under the president, That's is true. under the executive branch. Uh, things like abortion mm-hmm. and other issues are under the Supreme Court, even though they shouldn't be. Uh, and that's under the yeah. judicial branch. So you're crossing over two branches. Now, I don't mind doing that. Um, but the thing is, but, you know, if the, now is the Department of Justice enforcing 
still <laughs> Roe v. Wade or anything like that. I'm just curious because that'd be the only place that would cross um, over. To my knowledge, they are because of the individual states still declaring that they have rights, but then the states have been saying more and more since that was declared. Um, I don't remember what month it was. Was it about a year ago that they basically declared that abortion was the, the Roe v. Wade decision got overturned in the mm-hmm. sense that they declared it was no longer going to be legal. And then the states started putting less and less parameters on it, even though they were given free reign to say this is now a state decision. It seemed mm-hmm. like ever since that happened, the states got more lenient because Indiana, being one of those states, even was taking in recipients from other states, Kentucky, Ohio. And we mm-hmm. heard that whole case about the Ohio girl that had an abortion and came to Indiana for it and became a whole big blow up thing. Yeah, so that, that was bogus. So, <laughs> that wasn't true. Well, yes, it was completely <laughs> bogus. It was completely bogus. Yeah. But look at the propaganda and the, the bleeding heart liberals that got behind that argument. Yeah. Piano? Well, can I say something? Sure, of course. If they didn't declare they didn't declare that abortions was illegal. What they said is that the states have a right to regulate that procedure. Right. See, you mm-hmm. can still have an abortion, but the states, just like any other medical procedure, the states have a right, right. to put regulations on it. Like you wouldn't want to abort a baby uh, an hour after the lady's water uh, burst. And the child's head is starting to protrude through the uh, vagina. <clears throat> so, and that's where people, that's where the news media slants things and get it all screwed up. The news media is really an enemy when you look at it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about Roe v. Wade for a second. First of all, um, Bonnie, you're going to love this show because we're going to give you all kinds of, of new insights. Uh, is abortion covered by the Constitution? Well, the right to life is... Part of, okay. I no, guess. abortion is the abor- opening. Roe v. Wade is not about the right to life. It's about establishing a new right sure. to privacy. Trust me, we're, we're gonna, we'll get there. But is abortion mm-hmm. covered by the Constitution? I guess in an outright way, I would say no. Okay. So if it's not covered by the Constitution, can the Supreme Court rule on it? No. So was Roe v. Wade ever – I got my lawyer hat on right now. Was Roe v. Wade ever a legitimate and constitutional opinion of the Supreme Court? I don't believe it was. So then why were the states going along with it? For the same reason that people go along with the IRS? <laughs> no, they're different. No, no. The IRS, as much as I hate it, there is an IRS, uh, there is a federal, the was 16th Amendment, that uh, the states ratified the federal government taxing Americans directly. I think it was a huge mistake. We need to repeal it. But it is, it is the law of the land. It was ratified, duly passed by the states. Abortion was not. It was never mm-hmm. put in the Constitution. And, the, and Article 3, which governs the Supreme Court, is very clear. I just went over it in the first hour. Let's do it again. So much fun. Article 3. Oh, by the way, are they judges or justices? Quiz time. I would say judges. I don't think justice is a fair term. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I don't, I don't know. I've been trying to research where the term justice came from because I can't find anything that says, <laughs> you know, I, I put it in the search engines. When did the Supreme Court switch from judges to justices? Because this is really clearly here. The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts <laughs> as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior, not lifetime. As we mm-hmm. all know, 
and then they get compensation. Okay, okay. so the judicial the, power the, shall the, extend. Good, Pianchi, get a point. The term the term came out of a slogan, "Justice of the Peace." I think that goes back to the Western days. Ooh, ju- now justice of the peace is different because it's not a judge of the peace. So, what is the justice of the peace? Judge Roy Bean. <laughs> I'm actually going to write that down. Judge Roy Bean. Didn't uh, Paul Newman play him in a yeah. movie? Yeah, I don't think it was Paul Newman. I think it was the guy. I can't think of his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. But uh, I bet you it was Paul Newman. I think that's <laughs> where they, that's where where it sprung out from. Uh, the, the the slogan of justice of the peace. Okay, I'm going to look that up because I'm curious. I still haven't found the origins, but that, that makes as much sense as anything. All right. So it says here, the judicial power shall extend to all cases, all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States and treaties made, or which shall be made, under their authority. So all cases affecting da, 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 da. I don't see abortion in here. Uh, I don't see anything arising outside the Constitution, since the laws have to comply with the Constitution, and so do treaties, you know. So uh, where did abortion come from? And the big question is, why did the states go along with this? And this, this comes for education. You know, uh, this is something, I don't know if you can do this on your show or not, but there's such a huge education needed. And a lot of the stuff that we're, we're basically deriving here using logic and reason, you know, that we are deducing that certain things haven't been done, should have been done. And it's just simple logic based on what we're reading in the Constitution. If the Supreme Court can only handle cases arising under the Constitution, that means they can't handle cases outside the Constitution, because the Constitution is both uh, a delegation of authority and a restriction of undelegated authority at the same time. So if they delegate cases under the Constitution, that means they've restricted cases outside the Constitution. Since abortion is not in the Constitution, in fact, no health measure of any kind is in the Constitution, as far as I know. Supreme Court had no jurisdiction, had no authority to even take the case. That's what I'm saying. It was a state matter between Roe, I agree. Wade, and the state of Texas. Interesting, huh? So now, let's expand further. As Pianchi and I were talking about right before you came on, Trump is a citizen of the state of Florida. The 14th Amendment says that citizens of the United States are also citizens of the state in which they reside. States have borders. States can protect their state citizens just as the United States can protect United States citizens. And they do so, you know, overseas with embassies, consulates, and things like that. So cannot the state of Florida arrest Jack Smith, Southern District of New York federal official, for prosecutorial misconduct for simply bringing bogus charges that everybody knows are bogus, simply to cost Trump time and money, knowing he can't win the case, simply to make it more difficult for Trump to become president. Is that not election fraud in itself? And cannot the state of Florida arrest him, a federal official in New York, for violating the rights of, of our citizen, Donald Trump, of Florida? How's that for a question? It's an interesting question and a very valid one. Mm-hmm. But again, in today's justice system, the way that it's designed, that would never happen, obviously. Okay, but I'm, if it were I'm restructured and defunded to start from scratch, I'm not worried about I don't care about what won't happen. I don't care what can't happen because it's not practical. I don't care about limitations. Mm-hmm. I don't care about what will never pass. I don't care about any of that stuff. I'm talking about 
possibilities. In other words, this show, right in right my promo, mm-hmm. I don't care about what has happened. I only care about what can happen. Once it can mm-hmm. happen, then we can work towards it. So can it happen that the state of Florida, the Attorney General, Ashley Moody of Florida, can arrest, prosecute, or deny any authority over one of our sovereign citizens of Florida, in other words, Donald Trump, saying that the state of New York, the Southern District of New York, the FBI, the KGB, the DOJ have no authority to go after Donald Trump on these bogus charges. Those charges, you know, are moot. You know, right. The state of Florida will protect our citizen Donald Trump and stop this election fraud. And if, the, if Jack Smith or anybody else from the federal government, from the Department of Justice comes into Florida, they will be arrested. That's what they should say. If DeSantis had a pair, yeah. you know, that's what I'd say if I were governor. Wouldn't be a problem. I think I'd like to be governor. Wouldn't that be cool? Governor Penglis, the great <laughs> state of Florida. Yeah, you want to see independence? I'll there show you what independence go. looks like. <laughs> okay, so I had another question for you, and I forgot what it was along these similar lines. But the idea of prosecuting these people, I think, uh, is, is, is huge. Think of it in a minute. What do you have today? What's on your mind? Well, the first thing that I had was just kind of a little blurb in the news, and that was the fact that incandescent bulbs are now officially declared illegal by the Biden administration, which, you know, Thomas Edison and Tesla are probably rolling over in their graves. (laughs) Well, I mean, Edison, apparently, I guess he had a big staff, you know, working on. So Edison was direct current, and Tesla was alternate current. Who was was the smarter person? Yeah. Uh, Personally, I think Tesla was the smarter one, but that's just my opinion. Well, it's always just your opinion. Everything you say is your opinion. You don't have to, you know, have yeah. a disclaimer. Everything um, I say is my opinion. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, this is this is you know the ultimate free speech zone. So, right. incandescent. What is an incandescent bulb opposed to a fluorescent bulb as opposed to a? Uh, let's get Pianchi. We need we need Mr. Science. We should get Mike Clinch on this one. But what are these different bulbs? What's an LED light? Does anybody know the difference in these bulbs? I'm not really familiar. Come on, buddy. You brought it up. Tell me about bulbs. <laughs> well, as far as as far as an incandescent bulb goes, I, you know, we learned about this in science class, and I I don't remember the exact combination of the scientific elements in it, but I do know that the fluorescent bulbs have fluorescent gas in them, where incandescent do not. Mm-hmm. And the difference yeah. between an incandescent and an LED, I know the LEDs are more efficient. I do not mm-hmm. understand why they're more efficient per se. I know that they have you know less lumens or they're the equivalent of a brighter incandescent bulb using less power, but I do not know the scientific workings behind it. I'll tell you, my mind is not science-oriented at all. Okay. Well, here's what I know. It's not much. Incandescent basically is a vacuum tube. It's glass, very thin glass with a vacuum tube with a filament, and they they send electrical charge across that filament, uh, and it glows, and it glows until it breaks, and when it breaks, you throw it out. It costs about a buck. (laughs) That's an incandescent bulb. A uh, fluorescent bulb, as mm-hmm. you say, has, has a, a gas that emits a light, neon, argon, right. whatever inert gas they have in there. And you have electrodes at either end creating electrical charge. And as the charge goes, it lights up, excites the gas, and the gas sends off a light. That's a, that's a fluorescent. Uh, an LED, I think, is a light-emitting diode. I'm not sure what that yeah. is, but it's, on, but it's basically the same principle. It's a more efficient way to send electricity, send a current through a light-emitting device which is a much better light, much more efficient light, much higher technology. Uh, it's like the silicon chip uh, as opposed to the transistor. It's that big a leap in, in technology. Have you noticed car headlights over the last several years from 20 years yes, ago? they've gotten a lot brighter. Yeah. A lot whiter. But, but, uh, 
Yeah, and, and one of my and I'm not big on regulations, but one regulation I think is absolutely essential. Here's a, hey Pianchi, I got a new topic for you. Um, truck headlights, pickup trucks should not pickup trucks be lowered down to the front bumper, just like the big, the big trucks, the 18 wheelers, the semis, the buses. They mm-hmm. all have low headlights at car level, but for some reason pickup trucks are exempt from that, and they have headlights way up high. And then I think more traffic accidents are caused by pickup trucks, pickup truck headlights than anything else. I'd like to see them lowered at the same level as the car headlights, to put them on the lower bumper. Stop with the upper-level ones. Does that make sense? Well, when you aim lights, you're aiming for a certain distance out in front of your truck to come in contact with the ground. So that's how they prevent you from being blind by truck's light. So if you're four-wheeling and those lights are, are only on for emergencies, yeah. Or if you're, if you're off trail and nobody's around and you want to put your bright lights on, okay, fine. It's like we have high beams for the same purpose. You can't run down, your, you know, run down next to people on a crowded row with your high beams on, although the technology is there in the car. But you're going to get arrested eventually. You're going to have problems. Um, but uh, so we don't have to necessarily ban those higher headlights. How do the big trucks do it? How do the, uh, the buses do it? Their headlights are way down low. Well, in some design school bus lights that way down low is how the mm-hmm. lights are are, are focused. Yeah, pickup trucks. Yeah, pickup trucks are the highest lights out there. They're higher than the the semi trucks. They're higher than the buses. Now lights down low. Yeah, but they but they beam the steer lane aimed toward the ground so many feet out in front of it. Yeah, what <laughs> I'm saying is they they could do that with the lower headlights and aim, they could aim in the same distance from a low headlight. They wouldn't blind people especially on two-lane roads. Just a thought. Bonnie, well, what do you think? I mean, just like with motorcycle lights on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So when you have your headlights aimed properly, that shouldn't cause a problem. Now, yeah, if you got a high beam, think... yeah, it can cause a problem. Yeah. But on okay. low beam, they should be aimed at the ground. Except on a hill. <laughs> high beam comes up at the crest of a hill. You get hit in the face until they level out. Anyway, Bonnie, we're off topic. Well, I know that there's different states that have different laws, and the DOT is always there. I, I know this because of one of the clients that I have is a truck driving fleet. And so they're oh. subject to all of the DOT guidelines. And they do say that the lights have to be anywhere from 24 inches to 54 inches off the ground. That's a wide range. So states can't really fight against that when the DOT is claiming that there's that large range of the distance. And so then it becomes up to the manufacturer. And there aren't a ton of different manufacturers when it comes to actual semi-trucks. I'm familiar with Peterbilt, Kenworth. There's a couple of others. But you're not mm-hmm. talking a wide range like your Honda and your Ford and your Chevy. Like, there, there is not such a huge range of manufacturers. And, therefore, who's going to regulate that when there's a select few manufacturers and they're given a broad range? People would well, need I to mean, stand I, up and I get tired of the lights being up so high. Yeah, I would have a DOT regulation that pickup trucks, you know, have their lights down. Uh, same level as cars. Mm-hmm. That's all. Right, right. But then that that comes straight for the DOT. That's a regulation change that needs to be in effect. I don't for the DOT. care where it comes from. We just yep. go to the place where it needs no, to go. No, That's I know, I know you. Here. Yeah, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> right. Like, okay, but we need a DOT regulation. We'll make a DOT right. But it has to go through Congress because we believe exactly. that all regulations should be passed through Congress first. Okay. You um. Yeah. See what happens? You bring up something like incandescent light bulbs. You think it's going to be a quick conversation, <laughs> but it's not. 
this, this is Action Radio. We, we used to investigate. You gave me two little soundtracks here. Do you want to play with one of these? I would love to. So one of them I haven't listened to. I've, I've listened to, uh, to Kermit. Can I do a bad Kermit impression? Mm-hmm. Go for it. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. So um, which one do you want to play first? Uh, Bonnie? <laughs> well, let's uh, go with didn't it. Think I could you're do on it, roll, you? Kermit. Okay, fine. Let's okay, go, uh, go with that one. Yeah. Or I'll get Miss Piggy and, you know, we'll, uh, oh, oh, Kermit. You're so wonderful. Oh, Kermit. This My hero. Better. Oh, Kermit. Oh, Can well, you play the yeah. first one, Kermit? Oh, gee. Keep talking. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. All right. Let me <laughs> scroll down here a minute and see if I can. Uh, they're all under Bonnie, so they're easy to find here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what you're going to do with this, but let's, let's, let's find out. Okay. Sounds wonderful already. Here we go. Uh-oh. That one doesn't have the words with it. That might be the wrong file. Yeah, you sent me the wrong one. Okay, so then we have to make them up. So I this is what happens when my new house screws up. And, you know, somewhere under the rainbow, <laughs> we uh, we have music in the background, and we don't have the words. So we're just going to kind of have to, uh, you know, bam. If you think it's easy being green, try being a talk show host behind a microphone. <laughs> Making up something, because all we have is a music soundtrack. We don't actually have words. But who cares about words anyway when we've got music? Because music is beautiful. Music is life. Life is beautiful. Life is music. It's kind of the cycle of life, if you want to look at it that way. Anyway, your turn. I'm just vamping. So it's, it's supposed to be, why are there so many songs about rainbows? It's the whole point. Oh, well, let's expand upon that while we have the music. So, uh, Bonnie, why, why are there so many songs about rainbows? Hmm? So many songs about rainbows. The rainbow has been overused by the agenda, and we're tired of seeing the rainbow stand for things that it shouldn't. Hmm. Turn this down one notch um, so we can actually talk over it more. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's so two versions to it, and actually? unfortunately, I don't know why yeah. the lyrics did not come through on that MP3 file. It must have been the wrong one. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk over it, so I thought, oh, we should just got some nice background music. I wonder what this is to. No, no. I mean, if I, if, if I could, it, the gist of it is essentially that why are there so many songs about rainbows, and why is the government intruding, and the ending line being, why can't they just let me be? Because every little aspect is, is monitored by that rainbow agenda, and it infiltrates into every aspect of our life in pushing that down our throats. And I'm sick and tired of it. So that was the That's gist of it, but I may about. have to resend you the file with the lyrics. Oh, I think that would be a help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll I'm not that. sure how that happened, because I listened to it on my end, and it was fine. You, so, you, you again, I'm going to blame the government. This is a conspiracy theory at this point. They have now yeah. removed my lyrics and only wanted mm-hmm. you to hear the melody. So, You've been you censored. know, it you're just only, keeps getting yeah. deeper and deeper. This is actually a metaphor. You're only allowed to hear the music. You can't hear the lyrics. So we can't, we can't have, <laughs> so, so this is your blue pill. All right. This is your blue pill segment where all you get is the pretty music, mm-hmm. but you don't get the actual words. So let's talk about rainbows. That's right. Because uh, this is quite interesting. Um, I remember I was on, I was a tour guide in San Francisco and about two or three times a year, on the Golden Gate Bridge, these open-air cable cars they used to drive. Um, we, we'd be there at sunset, 
and some would be coming under the clouds across the Golden Gate Bridge, across San Francisco Bay, and we would get the most unbelievable triple, sometimes quadruple rainbows. I have never seen anything like it over Alcatraz with the clouds, with the whole bit. Unbelievably gorgeous. And I've only seen this a few times, but you get the conditions right, the right time of day, the right clouds, the right amount of rain, and you know, stuff like that, and these unbelievable rainbows. This one guy says, that's God's promise that we'll never flood the earth again. And so I know that. Mm-hmm. I don't think of that as a conscious thing all the time. But it was interesting to hear that. And, of course, the, the other passengers who are from around the world are kind of looking, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I guess so. It was quite interesting. So the rainbow, so that's really where the origin of the, of the, of the whole idea of the rainbow, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's why I feel like it's been fraudulently used by the LGBT, LGBTQIA plus XYZ agenda because of the right. simple fact that it was originally given to us as a sign from God that he would never flood the earth again. And so now if you go to the store and you find a, a notepad with a rainbow on it or you find rainbow colored clothing for your children, everything that you think is like, oh, well, that's, that's beautiful. That's a promise. That's a reminder. No. You go out in public and people look at you and like, oh, they're an LGBTQ supporter. I love them. And that's so not why I'm doing it. It it makes me angry to even see the the products that have been produced by the agenda using those colors because it's a direct slap in the face of of our creator. Mm -hmm. Another thing, too, is it takes part of uh, – because it's become a political message. I used to have rainbow suspenders. I wore them all the time. I thought they were really – you know. I like bright colors, right. right? So I wore I wore a lot of bright yeah, colors. I wear Hawaiian yeah. shirts. I wear Hawaiian shirts for the same reason. I like bright colors. Okay, I, I, I had to stop wearing them, mm-hmm. especially in San Francisco, um, for obvious exactly. reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, not that I, you know, uh, obviously I live next to a gay neighborhood. I was, you know, in the, the Haight Ashbury, which is right next to the Castro. But the problem is mm-hmm. that I don't like the sim- symbol being taken. Right. So it's one. It's one exactly. thing when Jesse Jackson did. It was a lot less of, of a thing. He used it for his uh, Rainbow Coalition. Right. But, but right. the Rainbow Co- Coalition is, is, I guess, you know, that's not how skin color works. Skin colors are not rainbow colors. The actual rainbow. No. The, the visible light spectrum. Now, let's get, let's get back to mm-hmm. incandescent bulbs for a minute. So if you look at the science sure. of this, the rainbow literally is the light that we can see. You know, from yes. the low end, red just beyond infrared, so it's visible. And violet right up until it becomes ultraviolet where it's not visible. So red, yellow, right. green, blue, indigo, violet. Red, yellow, green, blue. I miss anything? Red, yellow, green, blue, orange. No, wait a minute. How's it go? There's six colors. Red, orange, yellow, yellow green, green, blue, blue indigo, indigo, violet. Violet. And nobody knows what indigo is. Got to go back to the Roy G. Biv. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was just trying to remember it the old-fashioned way. Like, was my, but, Roy, so that has yeah, meaning. I know. That has meaning but Roy too. G. Biv was the acronym. Okay. Well, there you go. That's good. So do you know, is there an acronym for the planets or do I just go Mercury, Venus, Earth, there is, there Mars? Was, there was a sentence that you had to learn for the Mercury, Mars. It was something like, um, my very <laughs> educated mother just bought us nine pizzas. That was back oh. in the day when Pluto was included in those planets, which, by the way, no longer, you know, is a planet, according to scientists, and now has some weird numerical name that I can't ever remember. So, it's, it's, so we have a deflation of planets. We've actually lost a planet. Yes. And you thought you were, ha- yeah, well, you thought you mean, were having we lost, a bad day. We lost Pluto. <laughs> we lost, yeah. We lost Pluto. Do we have Goofy Mickey still? Mouse lost his dog, and so the oh, scientists declared that it could no longer be declared a planet. Period. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Oh, we lost a planet. Oh, boy. What are we going to do now? No. <laughs> anyway. But, we just can't. So look at the things we're getting from rainbows. So rainbows have uh, – now, is that in the Bible? 
that says there in Noah's flood that after the flood a rainbow appeared and that's a promise not to uh, flood yeah. the earth again? Okay, so that's right there. Yes, I'm was. not a biblical scholar. That's right. right and, okay, right. So that's there. So and then so and then we got the scientific, the rainbow. If you ever look at a prism, you know, and mm-hmm. I said I, I I wonder if I still have my I think I still have my prism somewhere. I've collected all my my favorite kid toys. Uh, I used to make rainbows out of everything because I loved them because they're pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden it became political. And this is what right. the left does. And this is worth talking about. They've taken something that is pretty, has a scientific mm-hmm. basis, has a basis in the Bible and yep. stolen it, stolen it from themselves such that nobody else can use that symbol and not be associated with the LGB, et cetera, movement, the political agenda, not, right. just, not gay or lesbian people in general, but just the political movement. How about the word mm-hmm. gay? Gay used to be happy. Mm-hmm. You can't go around saying, oh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling gay today. You know, you could in the gay 90s. Don't you remember the old song, I Feel Pretty? I mean, that was like a huge hit, and I don't even remember which deck, if it was the 50s or 60s. It was 60s, a musical. But I, I mean, it, there's, I a, feel there's pretty, a musical. I feel pretty, I feel and, pretty and gay. I feel pretty and witty and gay. And now you're not allowed Ooh, to say that. You sing better than I do. But that's not hard. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you so, can hear my M- other MP3, you would you would be able to hear. <laughs> oh, that the one actually has has lyrics on it. Okay, good. Yeah, send me that one. It, I mean, yes, body. it is it is sung and produced. So if the other one has the lyrics, maybe you'll get a, a taste. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I got the other one here. If you want to, we'll play it's that a one. Proper in a we'll Go for it. Yeah. I, also, okay, I haven't even listened to it. So this is this is the uh, as long as you don't send me copyright material, I don't care. I mean, I mean copyright. No, for somebody this is else. not copyright material. This it's is one hundred percent authentically produced. Okay, so this actually has lyrics on it? It should if the proper file came through. <laughs> Let's find out. I feel like I should go into a sermon right now. That was great. Uh-huh. 
I want to. I thought it was Pianki singing for a minute. <laughs> I'm crying. Oh. <laughs> Pianki, I thought it was you singing it for a second, so Pianki. It reminded me of my childhood days. Okay. <laughs> when you could play with rainbows and it was okay? Yeah. This song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you, are you well, I mean, obviously. And, uh, having visions of Dorothy that, and Toto. And, was, that song, yeah. was it of Oz? Yeah, of Oz. yeah, it's it's from... It's from the Wizard of Oz, but I, I mean, we turned it into an anthem for linking arms and standing up against what has been taken from us, essentially. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's why the, the, the ending good. line is what it is. Let's find inner courage, take a stand, and, you know, take back our blessed land. You want, you want to make your young children recite it. Your children and grandchildren have them learn and recite it, just like uh, Paul Revere's Midnight Ride. Mm-hmm. That's why we read it on April 19th. You might want to post that um, somewhere on my pages or send it to me a message with the lyrics. Because sometimes the, oh, the, reason I do, the reason I do spoken stuff when I do so many of my things that are spoken is to make sure everybody understands the uh, the words. And sometimes in song, especially when Pianchi's crying, you know, <laughs> I'm teasing you. But uh, sometimes but the, the way you fight back. Exactly. That's no, the yeah, way you fight back. Protest songs. Actually, there's a really great tradition in protest songs. You know, you look at the Vietnam songs. And, and back, uh, you know, for a long time and throughout history, you look at Gilbert, Gilbert and Sullivan, the British uh, 1800s uh, musical pair. They were basically protesters. You know, HMS Pinafore. Mm-hmm. Pinafore? That's women's underwear. <laughs> you know, so you're naming a ship after women's right. underwear for the very strong masculine British Navy. That was an insult. Huge insult. Right. Everything they did, right. you know, was, was massively insulting uh, to the British uh, Empire. You know, and so uh, there's a longstanding tradition, um, but you, songs like Fortunate Son, uh, you know, It Ain't Me, <laughs> you know, uh, I Ain't No Fortunate Son. Uh, who's some of the other ones? You know, uh, um, I'm trying to think right now. Bob Dylan wrote a bunch of songs. Different people wrote all kinds of songs. But, they, you know, they don't say directly. You know, it's, it's, it's not like a direct threat on government because, you know, back in those days, things were a little crazier. You know, government has kind of mm-hmm. like today. So we're almost back to a pre-60s, you know, time. So the protests have to be more couched. Otherwise, you get censored, restricted, arrested. Right. Or in the case of uh, Kent State University, shot and killed. You know, and people... Well, and like Jason Aldean, if you, uh-huh. if you followed his, the news on Jason Aldean and what a stir that was on Twitter and the rest of the community that people wanted to cancel him, and he was simply fighting back with a similar style of song, telling people enough is enough. And it's, it's been a firestorm. What's the song about? Because that's not a story I have followed as closely. I've sort of been peripherally involved because I'm doing things like writing bills to, you know, defund the entire Department of Justice. So I've, I've been busy. Right. <laughs> well, tell me that story. It's basically, I mean, he's a country singer. And so country mm-hmm. singers, I feel like they have a little bit more um, ability to speak freely because they're seen ultimately as the far right. A lot of times, you know, they make out a lot of that's MAGA supporters to be country coding hickster, you know, whatever. But his songs were essentially, or the song that became the firestorm was essentially speaking out against this country is, is going to hell in a handbasket and we need to take a stand and fight back, link arms, we, essentially. And, we are taking a stand and fighting back. Yes, I mean, we are. Have, have you told mm-hmm. him about us? Can you, you want, you, here's a project. No. Why don't you reach out? 
Well, you're, I mean, I could try. I could certainly yeah, attempt go for it. Yeah. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can get him could. on the show. So if, uh, if you want to take on a project, let's get Jason Aldean on the show. And if you're talking about fighting back, that's what we do here. I'm, I'm sick of, you know, fighting back and, and people keep talking about, we've got to take our country back. We've got to save our country. We've got to start fighting back. Right. I've been fighting for years. Where y'all been? Well, of course, we're censored. That, well, that's what he, he, that's what he essentially was saying with the lyrics of his song. Because the name of it is Try That in a Small Town. And he's right. basically writing this amid all of the backlash of promoting racism and gun violence among the country. And he's just basically saying, you know, you look at the big picture of the country, but if you were to try that in a small town, you'd never get away with it. Because people in mm-hmm. small towns and communities do join together and link arms and fight back. And we don't let that happen in our small communities. But mm-hmm. you go big scale where the government starts getting their finger on everything, and that's where it goes rampant. Well, it's interesting that the more people you get, the more concentrated you make people, the less they are uh, organized in, in the community. You know, you take like New York, where you right. have upper, you know, you have massive apartment buildings all over the place, multiple mm-hmm. multi-story apartments. You got more people per square mile in New York than pretty much anywhere else, except Chinatown and San Francisco. That's actually documented. It was part of my mm-hmm. tour, um, and and yet they're completely uh, disconnected. They don't even know their their next door right. neighbor in their apartment. But you get a small town of hundred exactly. people; they all know each other. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Milton. Milton was the first place to hold a, a Mardi Gras parade. Milton rejected mass mandates. The mayor wanted to do it. In fact, she went whining to CNN. It was actually kind of funny. Um, was, you know, but uh, in fact, uh, Mayor Heather Lindsay was on the show and told me about the, the chain of command, that she was following the chain of command. And I said, Mayor, there is no chain of command. I said, you're an independent officer. You're elected by the people of Milton yeah. to, to uh, support and defend the Constitution. And that doesn't include a mass mandate or any other, any other closures that you're contemplating. No, I have to do it. I'm following the chain of command. <laughs> no, you <Right>. don't. <laughs> but I still got that on, on podcast if anybody wants to hear it. You know, I'm not just making this stuff up. Um, but, in, but we, the city council, under a huge pressure from us, but I think they're going to do it anyway, rejected the mass mandate, rejected closures, okay. and we held the first Mardi Gras parade. And all the New Orleans people, you're all going to die. You're super spreaders. You're like, no, you people are full of it. We're going to be just fine. Thank you. Right. So we had, we had this raucous parade, exactly. which I videoed, you know, put in the Action Radio video page. Uh, and we had a blast. And we were fine. In fact, we were a lot healthier than these other yeah. places locked down because we were happy. And happy builds your immune system. Duh. Yes, it does. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's why anyway. they say laughter is medicine for the soul. And they always have oh. it. The best medicine is always laughter. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a lot of humor into the show. Do you remember uh, yes. Norman Cousins was the person? Uh, who was it? There was Norman somebody uh, that actually uh, laughed himself back to health. When medic- medicine had given up on him, he brought in a bunch of Marx Brothers movies and Three Stooges. This is back in like 30s, 40s, something like that. Uh, and he actually laughed mm-hmm. himself healthy out of the hospital. That's tr- that's I believe that it could happen. I mean, there, stranger things have happened when it comes to... Yeah people even being on a spiritual level and healing. Uh-huh. So why Look not? Norman Co- but speaking Look of Norman laughter. Cousins. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I took your uh, homework assignment last week to heart and Ooh. totally developed a freedom, freedom feast menu courtesy of Bonnie Appetit. And so ah. I've been itching to read to you my oh, freedom do. feast menu commercial, if you will. Go for it. All right. So I came up with the fact that I believe this should be celebrated every election day, for starters. And in the spirit of our conversation last week, we were speaking about the former White House chef that died. So I kind of kicked it off for the Freedom Day feast coming November 2024. Wait, wait, wait. I'm no former White House chef. Uh, you're, you're celebrating a freedom feast with the death of a, of a, of a presidential chef? No, no, That's no. <laughs> no, I'm leaving. I'm, just, I'm just leaving making the it connections. off saying that I'm not. 
I am no former White House chef, but I've got some secret recipes. That's where I was kicking it off with. And what's oh. on the menu has a definite left and right side, because I oh. think I needed to take it to that for everybody to come to this Freedom Feast. It's an American heritage of food and fun for everyone. So, so I'm going to be all inclusive. That's You have a politically balanced, inclusive, diverse a, Freedom Feast? Correct. It is a politically balanced menu. But oh I do have to make a disclaimer. I have to make a disclaimer. <laughs> the left side is owned and operated by the CCP. So I just of have course. to get that out there. Before I so begin, do you use yes. chopsticks? Uh, so, you use chopsticks at half the tables and uh, knife and fork at the other half. <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> so to kick Just it off, help. no yes, feast. Ma'am. Yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. No, no feast ever feels complete, of course, without deviled Democrat eggs, and these would mm. be sprinkled very liberally with aged Pelosi paprika, which I like to fondly refer to as Paplosi. So you have <laughs> your deviled Democrat eggs sprinkled with Paplosi on the left side, for starters. Okay. But Love on the it. right, I'm thinking constitutional corn on the cob, amended mm. with real butter, not the I can't believe it's not constitutional crap. Okay. I can't believe it's not plastic. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Being one so molecule then away. We, yeah. uh-huh. we, we travel back to the left side of the menu, and we have Jill's Jello salad made with some of Hunter's special blended powdered gelatin. Her husband oh. claims it's so good it'll make you fall upstairs and forget where you're at. So. Do you eat it or inhale it? You can do either. You can do okay. either. Go at it with just a spoon, checking. burn it, whatever you want to do. Straw. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Straw. Yeah. And another righteous choice from the right side would have been the all-natural, grassroots-fed American Angus beef patty. Real better than a suspected ISIS member and served with, of course, American cheese. Grassroots beef. That's that's clever. Grassroots fed American Angus beef. And okay. the, the kicker on this burger is that you can dress it up however you want, but there is no denying it's still a burger. Oh, good. So I got yes. a question for you, Lassie. How come we got uh, the Scottish Angus beef became American? What's the origin of that? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Uh, I... I do not know, aside from trying to make it double A, perhaps. AA, American Angus. It just sounded better. Get the Scottish okay. out, apparently. But Angus is Scottish. Do I'm we not curious. raise Angus beef in America? We do, but what I was curious is where it comes from. That's... Is it, in fact, Scottish origin beef? Is you don't it? have to answer the questions. Scottish all the I have no back? idea. I'm, I just, I'm just asking the questions. Most of my questions can't be answered <laughs> without looking up. That that's part of the fun. I would say ask, I would say ask the cow. Go go do an interview with the cow and ask them: Are you Scottish or are you American, young hmm. laddie? <laughs> Sounds good. I'm gonna look it up right but now. The origins it. of Angus beef. Pianki, where does Angus beef come from? You know everything, but I don't. Know. I don't know exactly where it comes from, but I know they have a uh, problem with that breed because it has narrow hips. That's why come they. Uh, Crossbreed with the whole thing to produce what they call a black-white face, where it can give birth to cows without less complications. So it's, it's a multiracial cow. No, it's, uh, the Angus is the Angus is pretty much, uh, I guess you can call it thorough. Thoroughbred, but they okay. crossbreed it. Yeah, uh-huh. they crossbreed it with a. I, I think it's the whole thing. And they come up with, you ever seen a cow that's black and white? 
Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Those that's are Holsteins, right? Yeah, Holsteins and Angus. But you couldn't call them an Angstein? They call them a black white face. In the morning. We do that too. We, we do that too with our shaving cream. Hey, Bonnie, Bonnie, have you ever heard yeah. our shaving commercials? No, oh, I have not heard the shaving commercial. What? Pianki, you don't want me to play it? Um, no. This is, this is funny. <laughs> Let me set this up. Speaking of, you want, to, you want to talk silly? This is one of my sarcastic. I have so many more I have to make. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so Pianki's talking one day to me, and he was talking about uh, blackface. Uh, Justin Trudeau, mm-hmm. uh, the governor of Virginia Northern, whatever, Northrop, whatever his name was. And he says to me, he says, Craig, mm-hmm. in, in, in this famous Pianki accent, he says, I don't care about this blackface stuff. I said, but uh, me, every morning, when I have to go for my shave, I can put that white shaving cream on. He says, I have to go there in white face. Now, understand <laughs> that I'm practically on the floor. I'm laughing so hard. This is one of the funniest things I've ever uh-huh. heard. So that night, I went back to the, uh, in, into the studio, as they say, uh, and came up with this. It's morning, and you are a proud black man. You go to the mirror. You are reminded of Governor Northrop of Virginia and Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada, both of whom appeared in blackface. And there you are. You just put on your shaving cream. And what do you see? Whiteface. It's bad enough that leftist aspiring dictators are choosing to go in blackface, but you, proud black man, have no choice but to appear in whiteface every morning you shave. Now, direct from Pianchi Laboratories, comes a great new product made especially for you, proud black man, Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream. Yes, Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream will give you your blackface back during your morning shave. For Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream is the first ever black shaving cream. Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream comes in three shades, dark, darker, and darkest. So now, proud black man, you have a choice. You can stay in white face every morning, or you can join black men everywhere and choose Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream every morning. See what happens when you're funny on my show? You get your own commercial. Love it. Love that it. was fun. Yeah. The hardest part was learning how to say Pianchi's Picture Perfect Face Saving Shaving Cream. That took me about 20 minutes to practice right to be there. able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is some mm-hmm. of the fun we have. So I found oh, – I found. Well, uh, I'll get you back. Uh, can I get you back on track to the menu when you finish your point? Yeah. Well, no, because i got one more quick point to make here. I found Aberdeen yeah. Angus in the Wikipedia. Aberdeen Angus, mm-hmm. sometimes simply called Angus, is a Scottish breed, as we all thought, of small beef cattle, probably the hips. It derives from cattle native to the countries of counties of Aberdeen, Banff, Kincardine, and Angus in northeastern Scotland. In 2018, the breed accounted for over 70% of the beef production in the United Kingdom. So it's basically British beef, Scottish beef. So we were right. This come from Scotland. Oh, wait a minute. The Angus is naturally polled, P-O-L-L-E-D, and solid black or red. The udder may be white. <laughs> that would be utter destruction, I would think. The Caliban exported. That's what I da, thought. Da, da. I thought Angus beef was like a reddish tone. Well, yeah, I, I don't see any any relation to Holstein. I haven't mentioned Holstein here yet. We'll have to research this further. Genetic disorders uh, for recessive. Disease. No, they're not related. What they do is cross it with the Holstein. Right. And then the breed has wider hips, so it's a lot easier for the 
cow to give birth, but the Holsteins have narrow hips, and um, oh. they have a lot of they have a lot of fatalities when they birth. Ooh, that's not good. You would think though that that, that must have been bad breeding because naturally, if they're naturally evolving, that would have been selected out, you know, pretty quickly through genetics. Yeah, yeah, the okay. Angus well, have narrow hips. Just look at one. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never looked but at the cow's hips that closely. Now that you think about it, you know, I, I, I've missed that observation. Must have been watching rainbows or something. Anyway, back to you, Bonnie. <laughs> well, then obviously that was on the right uh, or the the conservative side of the menu. So now back to the left, we have attempting to continue with more traditional foods. It would be the all-American wiener, made from all kinds of stuff that no one understands or even wants to know, mm. which is rumored to be topped with collusion coleslaw. However, the liberals are continually disappointed when they arrive, and there's simply no collusion every time. So instead, <laughs> they will be served only with Heinz Carey ketchup. Oh. Heinz Carey. Does it swim up when you boil it? What, what was that, Pianchi? Does it swell up when you boil it like the old time <laughs> I don't know if well, you want to say Because it's filled sure with all kinds of stuff no one wants to know, so why not? Yeah, it used to swell up. You you have a big – it used to be big for the uh, buns. And also, I think the buns, you have to either have uh, 10 wieners to a pack and 10 buns to a pack. And I think now they got eight wieners to a pack and still 10 buns to a pack. Ten. So you got to buy yeah. two packs of wieners in order to – Use up all the right. buns. Then you can go buy some more buns. Then you gotta go buy some more wieners. It's just <laughs> confusing. Life is hell. It's a conspiracy. Different manufacturers. Do Do you have the Anthony Wiener? Is that part of this also? That well, definitely. I thought about that, and that's going to be on a continued point because I I almost made it the Anthony Wiener, but I was like, no, I have an idea for that on the continuation of this, which I will challenge you on. But that aside, on the I will go back to the menu and say on the right, there would be the much-tweeted-about Trump tater salad that's always a tasty treat, despite its slight orange hue. <laughs> you got to admit. Got some, some Trump taters. We, we got a lot of taters in there. Some Trump good. taters. Okay. I, like it, I like it already. <laughs> Damn, it's going to be good. Yep. And on the left, we're serving up a steaming plate of Biden's baked beans. But be warned, uh-huh. excess consumption leads to explosive pilloria. But no wonder, no, or sorry, no worries. There, there will be dozens of gender-neutral outhouses on the grounds for such cases that come about. So, oh, with rainbows on the doors. With rainbows on the doors, absolutely. That's how you'll know it's gender-neutral. <laughs> and then let's not forget about the right mythical meatballs served globally warmed, which means room temperature, as it always has been. Oh no. You and the, the left ciders. I had to bring globally warmed in there. Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. Left-siders can also enjoy lazy leftist lasagna made with real rhino ricotta and topped with partisan Parmesan cheeses for the taste we've all become so familiar with for the last 50 years. Wow. <laughs> does that, quite a does that fall flat? No, no. I just... Uh, <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm just scrolling. Four, so I want to, I want to uh, find you something. Oh, here we go. Let's give you this to wake everybody up. <laughs> the gong, yes. And now your round of applause. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
No, that wasn't the Gong Show. I wasn't. I wasn't referring to that. But uh, yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah. so then for a choice of beverages on the right, I'm, I, I have more. This menu keeps mm-hmm. going. Uh oh. For a choice of beverages on the right, we find barrels of refreshing Liberty lemonade and sweet tea party sun tea because you got to have enough to go around. Mm-hmm. While left siders prefer their sham, and I'm going to spell that S H A M. Pain, mm-hmm. celebrating the 2020 election sham. Ooh. Camilla Meal tea. Oh, God. And, of course, the famously bitter Clinton coffee. And both include side effects of RBF. And, Greg, you remember what RBF is. I don't need to remind you of that again. Actually, you do. I have no right. idea what that is. What oh, is no. Resting safe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think that's an expression I ever used. I was waiting for you to say Kool-Aid, actually, but uh, I figured that uh, that'll be another time. Oh, yeah, Kool-Aid could be another time. But I, I definitely oh, think oh, that uh, they needed to stick with their celebratory champagne and camilla meal tea. Oh, and then geez. the official house coffee will be, of course, chock full of nuts. Although conservative <laughs> creamer will be, a, be available, and you can feel free to add as much as you'd like. There's plenty of the conservative creamer available. There we go. Sounds and if you good. stick around for des- if you stick around for dessert, the right side is listing a delicious, never overbaked treat of Patriot peach pie, while Ooh. the left is still rioting once again about their plain old propaganda pudding, topped with totally woke white whipped cream. <laughs> That's the way that we should all be, anyway, right? <laughs> Man, and then the basically, people? I wanted to kind of go ahead. No, I was just saying, I said, with the white people. There we go. Okay, fine. Democrats dream. Yes, with the white yep. people. Okay, fine. Uh, and I wanted to kind of like top off the entire menu for all of those that decide that they are inspired to do this and come to be sure not to miss this feast again, Election Day 2024. And don't forget to stop by the indictment booth to sign up for the Republic raffle and your chance to meet Mike Lindell in person and get your My Pillow autograph. Only at the Freedom Feast, where our motto is that we promise you'll leave more stuffed than a 2020 ballot box. <laughs> Very good. I'm impressed. Yeah. Quite a collection. Yes. Okay. Um, do you so, have time to stick so around? My challenge you to you to... on that was to take... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you want to stick around for a little bit? Because I'm going to... Uh, I have some more... Uh, I have some interesting articles to go over this next hour, uh, if you're curious. Sure. sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I can stick but around you, for a little bit. Say? I can stick around okay. for a little bit. But I wanted to bring it back to the challenge real quick for you to continue it on with the idea that I had of making it an actual freedom fair and incorporating some amusement park style rides into this whole freedom feast. I was going to just kind of throw that out there. Yes, rides. And and, and freedom riders. That'd be interesting. The real freedom riders. Sure. We'll bring that one in. And I Uh, thought of Anthony Weiner's old timey photo booth. That's where I was going with the Anthony Weiner idea. You know, all kinds of props. You could have the golden parachute ride for all the uh, corporate executives. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I thought of the 4-H haunted house where you have Hillary and Kamala's cackles on a nonstop laugh <laughs> real track, scariest haunted that's, house around. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Presidential ex-wives cattle, cattle drive. You know, we'll, uh, you know, well, anyway, I'll think of something. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, <laughs> I, this could get bad. I was thinking of, uh, yeah, sort of naming it. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. This could be fun stuff. I, I, I better stick with a golden parachute. That was funny. <laughs> I can't go from there. Yes, that was All great. Right. Yeah, yeah, well, 
it's uh, anybody wants to try improv, give it a shot. It's not easy. Um, although I just I can ramble incoherently for hours, but uh, trying to be you know think of something clever and funny that's tough to do. So so thanks for coming up with all those uh, interesting menu items. But if you actually wanted to do something like that, that I think would be more fun talking about it um, because I think that if we actually had so here's something I wanted to do for a long time in San Francisco, and and being a bunch of weenies, uh, the conservatives out there are totally coward. Um, they, they've given up. <laughs> so this is another reason I left. Is why why should I fight for for uh, you know uh, you know truth justice in the American way when when all the so-called conservatives are, are just they're either leaving or like I say totally abdicating everything. And I want to have a Second Amendment barbecue. And uh, so in other words, open carry barbecue in Golden Gate Park. You know, yes, civil disobedient. But uh, whereas the, the only way you could get in is if you're an armed citizen and the police had to be disarmed but, and be like, don't worry, we'll mm-hmm. protect you. You know, come on in. Uh, or a Second Amendment, you know, open carry parade. I had all these ideas. I proposed them, talked to media people, talked to oh, that's, no. yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be the thing to do. It'd be to go to San Francisco and, and get in one of the – let's go to the Gay Pride Parade armed. You know. Oh yeah. Would that be fun? You know, because for open that carry. That would be oh, terrible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a big movement. Um, there's a lot of folks that with some of the fastest growing gun groups are are gay or lesbian or all kinds of different uh, different groups of society that you know are traditionally Democrat groups. Uh, black folks are buying guns in great numbers. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are too. I'm trying to think who else I've heard of, but uh, yeah, Maestre and uh, Colin Noir come to mind immediately. But yeah, so things are happening out there. Freedom is contagious. But just before before I take a quick break here and then come back with some some things on, on the Department of Justice, how do we? Who who do you think would have the the balls to actually put something like that forward in Congress? Is there anybody that would actually say, yeah, not only do we need to uh, defund the special prosecutor? Entire Department of Justice is redundant, unnecessary, unconstitutional, and we don't need them. Think anybody would do that other than Trump? The only person I can even think of would be Josh Hawley, or I can't think of that other guy's name that has a strong Southern accent. I want to say his first name is Trent or Troy. Oh, do you Kennedy? know who I'm talking about? Kennedy? Senator Kennedy of uh, mm-hmm. Louisiana? No. No, no. Not Kennedy. I don't think his last name's Kennedy. Okay. Oh, gosh. I have like to look. time. But- so Josh Hawley is not a bad idea. Ted Cruz, maybe? Or is he more, is he too yeah. political, right? Wanted to be president in 2028. I don't know. Yeah, he's got some political aspirations to be president, so I'm not sure if he would be the right one to bring it up because he'd probably be too afraid he wouldn't get votes. I don't know that he has the gumption to do it, I guess is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. Pianchi, do you know anyone? Hey, do either of you know this guy in, in Ohio uh, who did that hearing? I don't know if you heard, there was an incredible hearing uh, a few days ago, and I've got it here. Uh, Senate Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Uh, the Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. That was the subtitle of the heading. And, of course, the Democrats, you know, went a bunch, a bunch of nonsense, and most of the Republicans asked things we already knew. Go ahead, Bianchi. What are you going to say? we are listening to your show. You think? He's you think been listening on? to your show when he said the Constitution is not suspended. Constitution has no off-on switch, so he's right. Yeah, that's your line. Uh, and you said that, what, three years ago? When we first started talking about this stuff, when COVID first hit? So, yeah, I had more hair on <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and Bonnie, here's something that we never know. And I'll tell you something that's very interesting. Uh, I was doing a show a few days ago. In fact, Jonathan commented on this Monday that I wrote a bill five years ago, 
ending birth fraud citizenship. And Matt Gates, who had my bill five years ago, just came out with a bill, you know, ending birthright, ending birthright fraud citizenship. And Mosley says, well, that's real close. I've never seen, heard the word fraud attached to uh, birthright citizenship except two places, my bill and now Matt Gates' bill. So the question is, and we don't know the answer, we may never find out the answer, did he directly take it from my bill, in which case he should give me credit, or did he independently come up with it on his own? What do you think? I would assume that he probably got the idea from you. I know that you were in close communication with him, and then he kind of stopped being in close communication, but that doesn't mean that he stopped reading or listening to you. So (laughs) if it were me, I think I might be uh, sitting there going, excuse me, you want to give a little cred here? (laughs) Actually, I've already sent him. I've already sent that email to him and his staff, so that's already been done. Oh, I'm not shy mm-hmm. about this stuff. Um, but the, but yeah, Pianki's point. I didn't think uh, so. Pianchi, <laughs> you're not even a little bit. It's really good. In fact, I'm getting worse now because so many things are popping up. So, in other words, my altruistic, my 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 good Christian side would say that it's just enough that the right things are being done. My arrogant, self-centered, pride side, which we all have, says I want credit. Because I'm the one that thought of it, you know, so I'm thinking to myself, right. you know, so, so how do I resolve that in myself here? Well, you would have to humble yourself and allow it to just happen and know in your heart that you might have been behind it. And that has to be sufficient. <laughs> That's the battle yeah, but, of the the um, human nature. Yeah. 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 Well, my pride side wins too, too many times. My arrogant side is like, wait a minute. That was my idea. So now... Now, mm-hmm. I don't know who this congressman is in Ohio. He's, he's a really interesting person. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, um, yeah, he's a um, real, just regular dude, you know, in Ohio, uh, white Christian male. Senate subcommittee, uh, select, the select subcommittee on coronavirus pandemic. The Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. Now, I've also heard that before. I mentioned earlier in the show, Jim Jordan, about six months after we said it, that the Constitution is most needed in times of crisis. You don't need it when the government's doing fine. You don't need it when the government's, you know, self-regulating and protecting life, liberty, and property. You need it when they're exceeding their, their powers and they're putting mandates and there's a crisis and they're going nuts and they're doing all kinds of unconstitutional things. That's when you need the Constitution the most. Not when government's good, but when government's terrible, assuming powers they don't have. And, and uh, Jordan said that about six, seven months later, I remember. Because we came out with that really early. That's one of our basic pieces of the show, early in 2020. So the government can't do this. Pianchi had the best line of all. Constitution doesn't have an on and an off switch. And it's really interesting. I, anyway. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, and I, I wrestle with this all the time. It should be enough, you know, to, to have the right things being done. But quite frankly, this show's not going to advance. Uh, and we're not going to be able to move as fast as I want to move until we are huge, until we get uh, massive national, national and international recognition to the point where when we start talking about things, I don't have to wait five years for something to happen. It should happen within five minutes. That's what I'm going for. So that when we come out with something, yes, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I am trying to do my best to get on to the, the challenge that you've given me for the amendment and how to rewrite that for the immigration side of things. So how's that going? I, I'm doing my best. I promise. <laughs> okay. Take it. It's okay. I mean, there's no rush on these things. You know, I, I say, I've got a bill that I want to write, uh, compliance costs, you know? So, uh, I had an idea a while back. I talked to Bianchi about this, that the, anytime the government investigates somebody, they should give however much money they're spending to the person to pay for compliance costs. 
and that and people, you know, should be able to build the government. Because if you're innocent until proven guilty, you're innocent while you're being investigated. So why should the government be able to bankrupt like that gun company up in uh, Wyoming? You know, simply because they don't like guns. Uh, by forcing all kinds of compliance costs on people that have done nothing wrong. They should have as much money as it takes them to comply with whatever's going on, so it doesn't cost them anything. Because if they're innocent, it shouldn't cost them anything. Shouldn't, I don't know if it should cost them if they're guilty either. That's kind of an interesting point, and I don't think about that. But at least if they're, uh, you know, all compliance costs should be paid up front. Now, if you want to talk about reimbursing the government if they're found guilty, that's different. But I, I still think that compliance costs within government investigations should be paid for by the government if you have to do things to comply. And if you're guilty, you're guilty. Then the, then the, the fines and penalties might include you know, the, the compliance costs they already paid you. I can see that happening. But if you've done nothing wrong, then uh, it shouldn't cost you anything. Except time. And that they, it's hard to, you can't pay no, that back, but you can pay the money and back. And I actually... I like the idea of a, a guilty verdict, meaning that you now have to pay for those compliance costs. I think that should be part of it. Okay. Because you can be innocent and still lose in terms of time and money. This is true. In fact, the government doesn't have to win. All they have to do is cost you time and money, and this comes from the Trump prosecutions. They don't have to put Trump in jail to cost him time away from the election and millions upon millions of dollars to defend himself against charges that are bogus. Well, right. And then that costs him his, his reputation as well. And that's almost on par with slander. So there's no way to actually go back in time and undo the damage that that has done. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get your time back. That's the problem with uh, prisoners who are uh, wrongfully convicted and are released. They can't get that time back because time keeps going. But uh, you can still get your life back. That's why I don't get capital punishment. Although if you ever get Dershowitz here, I'm going to ask him a, a question on uh, a new standard of justice. Uh, the, the, the current standard is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And I'm thinking in this age of DNA and video, uh, where you can actually, I mean, you can see the people doing the crime. You know, could we have a new standard of guilty beyond any doubt? Where you know, I mean, it, 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 you just absolutely know that that person did it. And would it be a steeper penalty then if, if they are proven guilty without any inkling of doubt, then somehow a stiffer penalty is assigned or a larger uh, fine is assessed? Well, that would be the only justification I can think of for capital punishment. Guilty beyond any doubt. Yeah. That would be my standard. Right. Because I don't believe in capital punishment because innocent people get killed. You can't, you can't execute innocent people. Right. No matter how many guilty people go free or, or get charged with lesser crimes. You can't execute some people. So then the question becomes, given DNA and video and facial recognition, a bunch of other things. Now, of course, that can be tampered with, so that's another question. If it's tampered with, then that's, that's, that wouldn't come under guilty beyond any doubt. You know, so it's, it's a How do we prove that it's been about. tampered with? That's, that's the question able... to think of as well, because with, exactly. with all of the AI. Mm-hmm. So is there a trace on AI? So guilty beyond any doubt there could be. only be done if you can prove that not only is the evidence real, that it hasn't been tampered with. Yeah, it's, gonna get, it's an interesting question. But I wouldn't want to see an execution unless, if there's any doubt at all, why would you ex- execute somebody? Now, in the old days, they couldn't, they couldn't be that sure. They had to go on eyewitnesses, which are notoriously unreliable. Right. And circumstantial. The people were killed, were executed on circumstantial evidence. 
Well, it's just, it's just a, a new standard. I'm, I'll be uh, curious to raise that issue. Okay. Anything we haven't covered? Not on my end. I that definitely covered all my talking points. So. <laughs> okay, good. All right, stop talking then. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> Let's get a shameless plug. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back with a couple of articles to, to finish out our day here. And uh, I have a bunch of bills to work on. I've got to work on the compliance cost bill. i got to work on the bill to defund the DOJ. Any ideas for that? Um, either of you, Pianchi or, or Bonnie, uh, things you want to see in a defund DOJ bill. Maybe we'll talk about that when I come back from the break. So let's get yours now, Bonnie. Defund DOJ. How do I write that bill? Well, I, that's, <laughs> I, I definitely have to give that some thought. I don't even know where to begin. You kind of sprung that on me this morning, and I, the more that I thought about it, there's, there's different aspects of it that um, I don't know how deep it would go. So if you're talking to DOJ, are you talking right down to your local police officers in every state? or are you No, talking no, no, not at all. Just, no, no. This would okay. only affect the Federal Department of Justice which includes the FBI, the ATF, uh, the DEA, and some other agencies, none of which okay. handle crimes authorized by the Constitution. So this is actually a compliance me- measure with the Constitution. It seems like by defunding it, you wouldn't even be affecting the daily lives of citizens because of the, mm-hmm. the simple fact that they are doing things that have nothing to do with the Constitution. So um, I, by starting to defund them, I don't know if that would automatically put a cease on some of the gang and drug violence that's at the border, if you would even that's be dealing with – I mean, it directly ties security. into that, obviously. Yeah, that's Homeland Security, you know, Customs, Immigration, right. Uh, right. Border Patrol, mm-hmm. uh, Agriculture, all that kind of stuff is, is Homeland Security. So Homeland Security right. actually takes out the need for the Department of Justice to have anything to do with terrorism, with the border, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, deportations or anything, because they don't do that. The states right. have control of the elections. The, the Department of Homeland Security has control of the border. So what does the DOJ need to do? That's a great question. What is their purpose? They need to yeah. essentially, like you said, be defunded. So I may give that some more ponderance and then shoot you some ideas as you okay. continue to ponder it and discuss it too, get to write it. Yeah, i, I got to figure whether it's a budget act or uh, we'd have to take, tackle their enabling legislation. So I have to find out in law where, where the Department of Justice you know, gets their authorization. Um, right. one, more, one more point on this article that I, that I had earlier. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. That uh, I found this uh, find law. Which three crimes are in the Constitution? I'm going to publish this, uh, put this, post this after the show. In the end, it says, what about murder or robbery? And this, this goes to your question, you know, what else, what should they be doing? It says, the Constitution only contains direct references to the three crimes mentioned above, treason, piracy, and counterfeiting, right? But it leaves a vast array of violent and theft crimes unmentioned. There are federal laws against murder and robbery, of course, and these laws have been justified under, are you ready? Here's what gets interesting. Laws against murder and robbery, which are federal crimes on the books, right? But they've been justified under the necessary and proper clause of the Constitution, as well as the commerce clause. What does that tell you? Hmm. Necessary and proper. It was necessary and proper for the federal government to engage in extracurricular, extra-constitutional activity and have laws against murder and robber. It is in the interest of the commerce clause to maintain commerce fairly between the states to have crimes against murder or robbery. What do you think? Uh, I think it's BS. 
I think it's it's manipulating the Constitution, you know, giving authority where no authority exists. Do you know where the CDC uh, gets their authority? Don't they get that from directly from the president or no? Commerce Clause. The CDC. That's, the what, they claim. That's okay. what they claim. They claim authority under the Commerce Clause. Interstate commerce. Are they engaged in interstate? And yet are they the engaged ones... in regulating? Yeah, but are they engaged in regulating interstate commerce? Another rhetorical no, question. Not until no. it comes down to mask mandates, apparently. Well, but that's not interstate commerce either. That's mandating no, not. that healthy people—they're mandating something for healthy people, which is unconstitutional. You can't, you know. In fact, in this panel, nobody asked. So nobody went into quarantine. So what's a quarantine? Quarantine is when you take a sick person. And you can find them to a house. Well, how do you know a person? You sick? isolate them. But they, they've got symptoms of a communicable dangerous disease. Mm-hmm. So until they have symptoms, they're not sick. This then they made up this thing called asymptomatic transfer. In other words, you, the you might be a carrier. Mm-hmm. Right. You might be a carrier. Okay. Well, you can be a carrier, but, mm-hmm. then, but you, that doesn't. Uh, then people are responsible for going out or not going out. You know, if you go out in public, you know, when there might be a bug out there. I mean, do we do you quarantine people during flu season? I don't think so. No, obviously. Okay. And flu kills more people than COVID ever did. Exactly. I made that same point back in 2020, just like you were making that point amongst everyone. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating that uh, you, you are not allowed to quarantine healthy people. So right. that's why everything that was happening under the, under the COVID was wrong. So that's my point. So my point is they basically have made up stuff. They have made up things that uh, they had no power to do. And the Department of Justice has made up an entire series of federal crimes that are not delegated authority from the Constitution. I agree, and that's why they should be defunded, and the whole organization should be restructured from the bottom up. Or abolished. Why do you want to restructure it? Why would you replace something that has no function with something else that has no function, even though they're better at it? That's a valid point. Yeah. I mean, being abolished <laughs> probably makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I think. Now, just because they ask you questions, doesn't, you know, I mean, that's, that's how I do. I ask myself questions. Well, what if? All the questions I'd ask you are the questions I'd ask me. And if you think you got sprung on it last night, uh, this morning, I got sprung on it last night. You know, God dropped this into my head. Say, hey, Greg, here's an idea for you. Defund the DOJ. I'm like, what? Well, let me think about that. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. <laughs> so that's how this, that's how, literally how the show happened. This idea popped into my head. I have to defund the DOJ. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's my show for tomorrow. And I don't know where these, I know where yeah. these, you know, but it, it's, it's not like, you know, like God said, Greg, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of joking right now. But, uh, I mean, ideas mm-hmm. pop into my head constantly. That's what makes this all so weird. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. Do you want to stick around or you got to go? I probably should go. Okay. Then give me your, your shameless plug for our Fern Radio. Yeah. WFRN. Fern Radio all the time. All Fern <laughs> all the time. Go ahead. Let's hear some Fern Radio. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so you can catch me on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and that is Eastern Standard Time on WFRN.com. You can go to the website and download the app and listen live. And also, you can find my cookbooks, Bonnie Appetit, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iPublisher.com, and also www.bonnie-appetit.com. Wow. Now you know where Firm Radio came from. <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie. 
<laughs> well, that was the WFRN, Fern Radio. <laughs> exactly. Fern Radio, all Fern, all the time. I can make a, make a mm-hmm. voiceover for you. Just ask. You know, it's not a problem. Yeah. Get you some nice, nice Fern music in the background. Get you some cheesy bar music, you know, like Fern bars. Hey, welcome to our Fern yeah, Radio. Exactly. Where your Fern. Take your Fern wherever you go. You can roll your Fern. You can uh, carry your Fern. You can take Fern everywhere. We're a part of your life, just like a Fern your bar. Friendly, friendly botanical bar. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, FRN. Friendly. I know. Our, our residential neighbor. There you go. FRN, your friend, friendly <laughs> residential neighbor. There you go. There's your, there's your call sign. There's your that acronym. Works? W. Fern, friendly residential neighbor. Yes. Friendly residential neighbor radio. WFRN, Fern or, Radio. Or, or you could just say we're feeling really nerdy. That's good, too. <laughs> I bet you could have a bunch of them. WFRN, feeling yeah, really oh, nerdy. Yeah. FRN Radio. So just to see, if that, see if the boss likes that. All right. Got to go. The acronym could just keep going. Yep. All right. It should. Thanks, Craig. Bye, Bonnie. Okay. See ya. Bye. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay. How about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery? Alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. Better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. 
Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right, and I have to wade through all the Bonnie products here. <laughs> I've got like three of them. One of them we're going to have to uh, get rid of and change over because it didn't have the lyrics. That was funny. That was hysterical. All right, let's get some. Uh, let's get our broadcast team and get back to news. Okay, so it's interesting that uh, uh, in talking about DOJ, I happened to find an article after I thought of uh, doing the show last night um, from uh, J.D. Rucker, one of my favorite sources, who does the America First Report, and this is Substack. So a lot of the, the stories that I like to bring are not the traditional ones you get from everybody else's news, because I don't like everybody else's news. I kind of like Substack. Uh, and so this is where you're going to find things that uh, uh, are, are individually written, uncensored, and usually better than most other sources. So it says, beyond weaponized, the Department of Justice is a domestic terrorist group that calls good evil and evil good. Of course, as soon as I saw that, it was like, you know, I made a comment last night. Uh, let's see if I can scroll down to my comment. Let's get down to my comment here. It's probably way in the back now. Oh, 11 comments. Nine more comments. What was my comment? Uh, and then I'll, then I'll read you the article. I, I just like last night or this morning. I forgot which. Things, things get so busy, they all kind of roll into each other. I got some good comments on it, too, actually. Uh, first comment. Here we go. Hello, J.D. I just made this post on Facebook. Defund the entire DOJ to stop them illegally sabotaging Trump. The only Fed crimes are treason uh, in war, piracy, and counterfeiting. U.S. Marshals, the military, and Treasury handle those. Then it says, I've got a bill to demilitarize the Feds. I put my bill down. And I put my websites and things like that. A bunch of folks liked it. One commented, uh, at least you're doing something. And I said, please join us. And so I sort of was going back and forth. Um, yeah, anyway, so it got a pretty good response. So that was good. Going back to the actual article itself, there's 45 comments on this now. But uh, it isn't interesting that we're all thinking that the real problem is the Department of Justice, that they don't serve a function. That's why I wanted to prove that so, so, uh, so carefully on the show today in so much detail. They don't have a function. That all the crimes they handle are handled by other all the all the federal crimes are handled by other places, so they have no reason to exist. There is no uh, law enforcement capacity uh, in the Constitution. Um, all police powers are, are reserved to the states by the Tenth Amendment, so they have they have no justification. They have no constitutional authorization. They have no reason to exist. So, so if they have no reason to exist, we should be defunding them. And you look at the the uh, agencies within the Department of Justice: ATF, FBI, uh, DEA. Uh, things like that. None of them, you know, are doing anything that's constitutional. You know, do we need a drug enforcement agency? Well, we've got, uh, we have, we already have a border patrol. So, and we already have customs and we already have uh, inspectors at the border. So that's done there. Um, As far as internally within the United States, we have state, local police, county sheriffs. So the drug stuff's already being handled. 
How about uh, ATF? Well, the ATF doesn't do anything constitutional because all gun control is, is, is illegal. And that's mostly what they do is regulate gun control. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives. Okay, alcohol is regulated by the states. You know, tobacco is regulated by the states. Firearms, the Second Amendment says you can't touch the right to keep and bear. And explosives, well, that's a different story. I don't know about explosives. I'm not exactly sure the regulations, but I'm sure there's state provisions for it. So the ATF does nothing in this constitutional either. So the DEA is not constitutional. The ATF is not constitutional. The FBI is certainly not constitutional. There's no provision for a national police force. And none of them can be armed, according to the Constitution. So I don't see why I have a, I don't see why I have a DOJ. Let me put the Department of Justice Departments. Does this sound redundant? Department of Justice Departments. Let's see what uh, comes up. Department of Justice Departments. <laughs> That's government for you. From the Department of Redundancy Department Department. <laughs> anyway, let's see what we've got. Let's see what's on the homepage. Uh, let's see what comes up. Uh, Department of Justice. Da-da-da. Our mission, uphold the rule of law to keep our country safe and civil rights. Oh, civil rights. Yeah, we could move that somewhere else. We could have, I think, don't we already have a civil, uh, civil rights division somewhere? Yeah, you can move them out. Um, and that, that actually would be a provision. That would be something the federal government should be doing because uh, uh, we do have a civil rights act and, uh, and uh, protecting our rights is you know, part of the fundamental job of government. Let me see if I can uh, – oh, what else components in it? Oh, view organizational chart. This is going to be fun. I've done this before, but it's, it's probably worth exploring again. So at the top is the attorney general, then the deputy attorney general, solicitor general. Those are the ones that go to the Supreme Court. Associate attorney general, office of legislative affairs. Those are the lobbyists. Office of legal, legal counsel. Those are the ones that say what they're doing is legal. <laughs> then we've got uh, – Office of Justice Programs, Community-Oriented Policing. That's not a, a function of the feds. Civil Rights Division. Yeah, I can see that. Antitrust Division. Hmm. I have to think about that one. Um, but that could be the Federal Trade Commission. Could do the antitrust. They do that anyway. So we don't, so we don't need them. Environmental and Natural Resources Division. We've got an EPA. We don't need them. FBI. We already talked about them. DEA. Talked about them. Executive Office for U.S. Attorneys. Hmm. Don't know. If there are only three crimes. So what crimes are they prosecuting? Bureau of Prisons, don't need them because only three federal crimes. I mean, how many traitors, counterfeiters, and uh, pirates are there? National Security Division, ah, that's Homeland Security anyway, so that's being covered by another agency. Office of Professional Responsibility, oh, that, that's a joke. So I can't find anything here. Civil Rights Division maybe, and uh, you might have to move a couple things, but there's nothing here that needs to be done by this, uh, this Department of Justice. So the article so it came out yesterday, J.D. Rucker, that's J-D-R-U-C-K-E-R, says in his title, Beyond Weaponized, Beyond Weaponized, the Department of Justice is a domestic terrorist group. That's interesting. I agree. Uh, this is that calls good evil and evil good. Short article. He says it has been clear for at least three decades that the Department of Justice has been weaponized by the deep state against the American people and anyone who would defend us. That's the first reason we should get rid of the DOJ. And then he says, but their creeping tyranny has advanced exponentially under, the, under Joe Biden, who we know is a criminal. I said that. Uh, as the Department of, Inj- Department of Injustice serves its dual role as defender of Biden's evils and attack of Biden's foes. So the Department of Justice, basically, when they say weaponized, it's being used as a weapon. What it means is the Department of Justice, their only function these days is to go after uh, enemies of the enemy of us, which is Joe Biden, who's a criminal uh, in the White House. So they're actually defending 
a criminal administration by being part of that same criminal administration and going after other American citizens who are trying to stop the criminal administration from doing any more damage. That's what the January 6th thing was all about. Pianchi, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was reading a, I was reading a case with Judge Thomas, and I tell you, this man is a genius. Huh. Go ahead. Uh, I want to take you off your point. That's okay. Okay. All right. Well, it's a short article, so we'll talk about Clarence Thomas once we uh, get done here. Next paragraph, he says, President Donald J. Trump has been indicted for insurrection on January 6th. Well, we know the only, the only insurrection was the deep state. They used Trump supporters as part of their insurrection. So that, that's the whole contradiction there. Then he says the indictment is sealed, of course, because there's nothing even remotely close to a case that could possibly be made. And this is what everybody is saying. It's all about costing Trump time and money. These are bogus charges. Everybody knows they're bogus charges. Then he says, nevertheless, deep state political assassin Jack Smith has charged the president with violating three federal statutes. We've only already covered which ones are legitimate, treason, piracy, and counterfeiting. Pop your name into my... uh... Here we go. Didn't save the first time. Oh, it won't save it. You're the only caller. I'll know it's you. Then it says, as Trump noted on True Social, he says, Trump says, I hear that deranged Jack Smith is in order to interfere with the presidential election of 2024 will be putting out yet another fake indictment. Of course, it's already out of your favorite president, me, at 5 p.m. Uh, why didn't he do this uh, 2.5 years ago? Why did they wait so long? Because they wanted to put it right in the middle of my campaign. Prosecutorial misconduct. Trump is absolutely right. This is vote fraud. This is one party to the election who's illegal, you know, using the federal government to stop another candidate for the election who actually won. This is a weird world we're in, but Trump's absolutely right. This is prosecutorial misconduct. So my question is, who's going to prosecute these people for what they're doing? It has to come from the states because the federal government is being controlled by the, uh, the deep state insurrection right now. And Congress doesn't seem to have the will to do it. Someone's got to take these people, uh, walk them out of the White House, and and, and uh, you know walk them into a courthouse. And I think it has to be the states. All right, let me continue on then. Um, next one here, CEO of the Federalist, Sean Davis, echoed the sentiment of many of us who believe the DOJ is a domestic terrorist organization. Now, this is an interesting thought. I hadn't uh, I hadn't taken it that far, but when I think about it, it's absolutely right. He says, this is Sean Davis, the Department of Justice is a domestic terror organization, and this country will not be a free country until it is defunded and dismantled in its entirety. Was that, I asked, honestly, I swear to God, I did not read this ahead of time. He's saying exactly what I've just done the whole show on. And this country will not be a free country until it is defunded and dismantled in its entirety. So in other words, here's Sean Davis, head of the Federalists, saying, it's time to defund and dismantle the Department of Justice. Isn't that interesting? He says, you cannot have freedom or democracy, of course, we're a republic, uh, in a country where when its corrupt security services are allowed to indict their opponents while covering up the crimes of their allies. This is why I say the, uh, the title of the article uh, is that uh, they are domestic, the Department of Justice is a domestic terrorist group that calls good evil and evil good. They're calling, evil, uh, they're calling evil good. So in other words, they are the evil, calling themselves good. And Trump is the good, which they're calling evil. Through the looking glass, Alice in Wonderland. 
I got to write this guy, Sean Davis, and uh, send him my bill. It's be interesting. Here's another one. Darren Beatty from Revolver News, another good person, who has been at the tip of the spear reporting on January 6th injustices. You mean political prisoners. Reminded us that Ray Epps gets, his, gets VIP treatment from the DOJ and corporate media, despite literally calling for people to storm the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's an operative. He's an FBI mercenary. He says, Trump is indicted while this guy, Ray Epps, gets puff pieces from the New York Times. Tells you everything you need to know about the federal, the Fed-surrection hoax. Fed-surrection, I haven't heard that before. Then it says, this is all very bad news for Trump, and it gets worse. Not only was he indicted by a grand jury in a district that vetoed, that voted over 90% for Biden, <laughs> which didn't happen anywhere else in the country that I know, right? But he landed arguably the worst possible judge for the case. Yeah, I've heard about this too. Well, that was rigged. I mean, this whole thing is rigged. You get the worst possible judge. You get the worst possible prosecutor in the worst possible district, you know, by the worst possible illegal government. It all makes sense, right? So uh, the next quote is, uh, I, forgot, I don't know who said this. It looks like uh, Jack Posobiec, someone I want to get in touch with also. He says, the Trump case has been assigned to U.S. District Judge Tanya S. Chutkan, according to the court docket. Chutkan? An Obama appointee is the only federal judge in Washington, D.C., who has sentenced January 6th, I'm going to say political prisoners, to sentences longer than the government had requested. And the sentences they requested were absolutely absurd. They were irrational. And yet that's what they did. A little bit more to go. This is while they defended the demonstrably corrupt Biden crime family, they're trying to pin a manufactured and unambiguously false charge on a former president who happens to be also the chief rival of the current administration. Well, I wouldn't even say administration. I say current occupation. And we have a biblical quote. Isaiah 520 comes to mind. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Well, let's see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. It should be interesting. Last paragraph. America is under attack from within. That is very true. One does not have to be a Trump supporter to recognize that this goes far beyond injustice or weaponization of law enforcement. We have descended into the embarrassing depths of being a failed nation, no better than any of the banana republics that preceded us. Pray for America and pray for President Donald J. Trump. Well, I've got a better idea. My better idea is I write a bill that millions of people support. I'm not sure about the second part. I can write the bill. I'm not sure about the support. But if millions of people support it, a bill to defund and abolish the Department of Justice, we fix this. So the solutions aren't that hard, just the willpower to do them. That's the hard part. Pianchi, interesting article, huh? Yeah, it is. It has a, It gets to the point. Well, it seems fascinating to me that uh, this guy from The Federalist quoted exactly exactly what I'm calling for in this, uh, in this show. Defund and abolish the entire Department of Justice. I've never heard that before. The only thing I ever heard was Matt Gates wants to defund the special prosecutor's office. But that, to me, seems rinky-dink. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's just uh, that's, um, dabbling. That's, what's the word I'm trying to think of? That's just uh, minuscule. That's tinkering. You're tinkering with the problem. You're not solving it. Solving the problem would be getting rid of the DOJ. Tinkering with it is just defund, defunding one office where they could quickly transfer to another office. Hmm. Got some articles here. We got uh, time for maybe one or two more. Which one do I want to do? 
<laughs> this one's interesting. This is from the dossier. This is Jordan Schachtel, S-C-H-A-C, Schachtel. There we go. S-C-H-A-C-H. It's <laughs> a lot of letters for one syllable. S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-L, who says they got away with it. Now what? He says, accept reality and educate the masses to stop the next big power grab. August 1st, so yesterday, he says, the technocratic tyrants of the world still believe that there is only, there is only upside to any current and future attempts at sweeping power grabs. And how can you blame them? After all, they got away with it. All of it. Not if I had my way. Anthony Fauci, who we know to the world as Dr. Fascist, is a worldwide celebrity and has taken up, prestigious, uh, taken up a prestigious series of appointments at Georgetown University and elsewhere. That'd be like putting Dr. Mengele and, Dr. and, and Joseph Goebbels in Harvard and say, I want you to lecture and, and teach America, you know, the virtues of Nazism and extermination of peoples. <laughs> that, that pretty much that's what it is by putting Fauci in a university. Then it says Bill Gates and the gang are jet setting around the world preaching the gospel of the climate hoax church. <laughs> that's true, too. It says the C-suite executives and boards of directors at Pfizer and Moderna remain unscathed. Yeah, that's true, too. Although we do have a bill that would put full product liability on them if millions of people would submit, but you don't yet. I'll tell you, we got the solutions. It's just the willpower to do it and the publicity to let people know about it. That's the problem. Solutions are not the problem. We've got the solutions. Anyway, the article says most of the appointees to the Trump and Biden virus task force have long since cashed out and laundered their credentials through the revolving door and into biotech big pharma space. In other words, the government regulators are now working for Pfizer. That's what he's saying. And the list goes on. So it shouldn't come as a surprise uh, that they're trying to restart the party to attempt another series of grand slams. Yeah. Have you heard about the, uh, the, the annual coronavirus uh, injection? Yeah. He says the pharma-sponsored corporate media is once more spreading the fear hype. Time to bring masks out again, especially as school season as the school season starts. And that's from MSNBC or M- or MSPMS, according to some people. Headline Tuesday morning. Oh, time to bring the masks back. <gasps> Wouldn't that be a great idea? Yeah, this article doesn't really say much. I want to see if I can find something a little more more meaty in the last few minutes here. Here's one from The New Normal, another great website, Michael P. Sanger, S-E-N-G-E-R, Sanger, who says the unwitting coup was the response to COVID, effectively a coup by the Western intelligence community. I haven't read this one either. A lot of times I read articles on the air that I've never read, A, because I don't have time, and B, because it's more fun to read it on the air fresh and go, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Anyway, subheading, the world has been counting on the intelligence community to call out anything untoward about the response of COVID. Yeah, right. They're, they're, they're in on it. Of course, that won't happen because they're the ones who planned it. Oh, there we go. That's interesting. He says, from an early date, commentators have noted that the response to COVID had all the look and feel of a coup attempt. Interesting choice of words. The masks, the slogans, the symbols, the lies, the sudden inversion of long-cherished norms and values, the mindless acceptance of information from nefarious sources like the World Health Organization, the WHO, and China. Something was seriously off. And it all seemed so obvious. Well, it was to us. That's what we told everybody for three years. <clears throat> Back to the article. Thus, one overarching question always lingered over the response to COVID. How were officials able to implement such destructive totalitarian policies across the Western world without intelligence authorities stepping in to stop them? Good question. A detached review of the evidence leads to the chilling answer, though, in hindsight, perhaps the only one that was ever really possible. Quite simply, 
the reason the Western intelligence community never stepped in to stop this illiberalism is that virtually all of the most illiberal aspects of the response to COVID led directly back to the Western intelligence community itself. In other words, our spies work for the, the, the world government deep state. He says, reviewing the evidence, the Western intelligence community was behind the birth of social distancing as public health policy via Richard Hatchett and Carter Metcher or Mecker Metcher operatives with deep ties to the highest levels of the intelligence and biosecurity communities. Interesting joining through their work on biodefense policy during the Bush administration in what may be the mother of all COVID cover-ups, Hatchett and Metcher's story that quote social distancing was based on a 14 year old science project, uh, as told through the New York times and celebrity author, Michael Lewis appears to be nothing but an elaborate cover story for the fact that the concept was lifted directly from China's longstanding policy of lockdown during SARS in 2003. Actually, six foot goes back even further. It goes back to the 1800s. I did some research on this, and it goes back to tuberculosis. And it's not about uh, um, you know, COVID viruses. It's really about sneezing and droplets. So they figured that uh, the scientists who did this figured that the average sneeze droplet would drop to the ground in about six feet. Well, except sneezes are aerosols, and aerosols are much finer particles that can go 200 or more feet. Aerosols can go into building, uh, what, CAV units, whatever they're called, building air conditioning systems. And so a sneeze can be around a 10-story building in about two minutes. Okay. Uh, the viruses are out there. The virus is always out there. We're exposed to trillions, trillions of viruses every day. We don't get sick because we have an immune system. Pianchi talked about that uh, a while back. So the idea that, that uh, social distancing came from a 14-year-old science project is insane. That's irrational. This idea has been around since the 1800s, but misapplied because they don't take into account aerosols. Then it says the intelligence community either planned or was in attendance at nearly all the pandemic simulations. Isn't that interesting? I found one of the most interesting, interesting things that the biggest scenario of COVID was uh, uh, Project 201. Well, who ran that? The World Economic Forum. Well, what is an economic forum running a health project for? Unless it's, that's how you know it's business, right? The World Economic Forum is a business organization. COVID is a business guaranteed by government mandated by law you are mandated to pay them trillions of dollars so they all get rich interesting business right it says social distancing was based on 49 already and celebrity author michael lewis appears to be nothing but an elaborate cover story for the fact that the concept there we go the intelligence community either planned or was in attendance at nearly all the pandemic simulations that began that began uh, being held a semi-annual basis beginning with dark winter in 2001. Dark winter. Isn't that an interesting term? You know who used that term, dark winter? Joe Biden used that term, dark winter. I've used that term, dark winter, too. In fact, I used it right here. Joe Biden's dark winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns. No representation. No oil. No coal. No nuclear power. No Space Force, no Constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists 
steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Just for information, I made that before the 2020 election. That's over three years old. <laughs> well, it's two and a half years old. You know, so, uh, yeah, just to let you know. But I, I didn't know the term dark. I knew the term dark winter from Joe Biden's campaign because he talked about us coming into a dark winter. That's why I made that. I didn't know it goes back to 2001. What happened else? In, you remember what else happened in 2001? Yeah, 9-11. How about that? Back to the article. Current director of the National Intelligence, uh, uh, current director of National Intelligence, Avril Haynes, was personally present and sat directly behind China's CDC director, at the event 201, just told you about that, the economic simulation of COVID. And they said the event 201 simulation of a coronavirus pandemic, which took place just weeks before COVID was revealed. Yeah, they, were, they ran a simulation of what to do. And one of the biggest parts of event 201 was how to censor information. So they're all set for how to censor it. That's why when I come along with accurate information uh, in uh, winter um, 2020, they're all set for me. They're all set to censor me. They censor me almost immediately. Because they're looking, the algorithms are looking for exactly the kind of information I was presenting. Anyway, it says the director of the event, CDC, uh, China's CDC director at Event 201, simulation of all coronavirus pandemic, which took place just weeks before. There we go. Michael Callahan, the federal government's chief virus intelligence expert. Right. Does he have a degree in virology? Fauci doesn't. Fauci doesn't have a degree in virology. Here he is a head of infectious diseases, and he doesn't even have a degree in infectious diseases. Well, isn't that interesting? Anyway, Michael Callahan, Harry Callahan, that's uh, Clint Eastwood. Michael Callahan, the federal government's chief virus intelligence expert, (laughs) told National Geographic that he began tracking the novel coronavirus. Novel? Yeah, right. Novel coronavirus, you know, SARS-CoV-2. So so the fact that it's CoV-2 instead of CoV-1 means it's not novel. CoV-1 was novel. CoV-2 is just like a variation. Says he began tracking the novel coronavirus in November 2019, and he was the U.S. government's only confirmed contact in Wuhan during the initial lockdown in 2020, January 2020. Upon returning from Wuhan, Callahan's testimony was key to throwing the federal government into a state of emergency and a widespread adoption of mechanical ventilators, which proved to be deadly. Yeah, most people put on ventilators died, like over 90%. Got a ventilator, your death sentence. Well, why would you put on a ventilator? Well, because you're giving remdesivir. Well, what, is, what does remdesivir do? Well, it destroys your kidneys. What does that mean? That means your kidneys don't take the fluid, you know what I'm talking about, out of your body. They put it in your chest. Well, what happens then? Well, your lungs can't breathe because there's fluid in your chest. I know. I had fluid in my chest. I had four and a half liters after heart surgery <clears throat> because of blood thinners. I don't know exactly what it's like. You know, I almost died. Not from the heart surgery, but from the fluid. But what they did in COVID is they put people on ventilators to try and blow the fluid out. Well, if they did that to me, I'd already be dead. If I had gone for heart surgery during COVID, I'd already be dead because they would have put me on a ventilator to try and get all the fluid out of my system caused by the blood thinners or by, maybe they gave me remdesivir. Who knows? I mean, I don't think it was around then, but you know, I don't know. Heart surgery was in 2017, two years before COVID. Who knows what they, they threw into me when I'm unconscious? I don't know. Maybe I'll check my bill one day and find out. It's an expensive bill. Anyway, um, federal government's first impressions of COVID thus came from the Western intelligence community via Callahan. Wasn't well, that interesting? 
Deputy National Security Advisor Matt Pottinger. These are names you don't hear about very often. That's why I'm reading them. One of America's highest-ranking intelligence officers in 2020, arguably played the most important role of any individual in the initial months of the response to COVID, unilaterally ratcheting up, ratcheting up alarm about COVID in the White House beginning in January 2020. See, so he's one of the folks that obviously gave Trump bad information. A lot of people did. The only people giving him good information were probably Peter Navarro, uh, Dr. Scott Atlas, uh, and uh, Dr. Zelenko, my friend. Other than that, he's getting crap information from uh, Dr. Fascist, from Obama's pandemic playbook, and from folks like this guy, Matt Pottinger. This is Deputy National Security Advisor Matt Pottinger, one of America's highest ranking. Here we go. So it says unilaterally ratcheting up alarm about COVID in the White House beginning in January 2020, which is when Trump had his travel ban for China. This is an advocating mask mandates, quarantines and shutdowns, all based on his own sources in China. Oh, isn't that interesting? While breaching protocol on several occasions, Pottinger also was behind the appointment of White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Deborah Burks, Mrs. Scarf, right? And he selected Burks for this role as a public health security advisor as early as November 2019. Oh, just in time for the pandemic. The same time that Callahan began tracking the new coronavirus. Having been installed in the White House, Burks then went on to be the chief force orchestrating lockdowns across the United States. So in other words, Trump was taken out of the whole thing. This is why I blame him for not taking charge, but in many ways, things were happening around him. So here's how it goes. Here's this, uh, I don't think I mentioned this in the article. I haven't gotten that far. Obama creates the pandemic playbook sometime during his administration, gives it to Trump during the transition, 2016. Trump rejects it, of course, but guess who picks it up? Dr. Fascist. That's Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fascist picks up the pandemic playbook and proceeds to use it. Well, included is that in that are these guys, Michael Callahan, Matt Pottinger, Deborah Burks, Scott Redfield, all these different people designed to do one thing, get vaccines and to coordinate Trump and to bring about uh, mandates, quarantines, shutdowns, all based on, on uh, this guy Pottinger. Now, here's what you also don't know that I've talked about on the show, because I'm the only one that apparently that's found it. I looked up, the, whoop, this is my 90 second warning. That was a surprise. So I looked up. The, uh, the original, uh, the intermediate pandemic guidelines. Look up the pandemic guidelines. Guess what I found? I found that in the original Bush guidelines of 2007, the pandemic response was to be minimalized, to be as little as possible so as not to um, affect the infrastructure and the economy and the normal lives of Americans. It's right there. 2000, look up the interim 2000 pandemic guidelines. Whereas, hmm, the guidelines were changed three months after Trump took office. So here's the sequence of events. I've been through this before. I may not finish this article. I might have to. Well, now I'll finish it. I'll go over a little bit. Sequence of events is Trump was elected in November of 2016. Uh, he was before he was inaugurated. The week before he was inaugurated, inaugurated, uh, Dr. Fascist in like George Mason University or Georgetown University says Trump is going to have a pandemic during his administration. A week later in January, Trump's inaugurated. Three months later, April 21st, 2017, the pandemic guidelines are changed. This is huge. What did they do? Well, they took out the categories. They took out the pandemic severity index. That was the 
voice in my head again. They took out the pandemic severity index, which said you cannot lock down the country until you have at least a category four pandemic, which is um, up to 1.8 million people killed. You can't do it, right? And category five is over 1.8 million killed by the pandemic virus. We never got there. We're still not there. But we're not even close to there because most of the COVID uh, deaths that are listed are not COVID deaths at all. So we never even came close to a place where you would lock down the country by the 2007 pandemic guidelines. So when they created the 2017 pandemic guidelines, two, 10 years later, that the pandemic severity index was taken out. So they could go to lockdowns immediately. See, this is how I know they knew, right? I know they knew they were going to bring COVID because when they changed the guidelines, three months after Trump took office, they created guidelines that would allow them to lock down quarantine, mass mandate, social distance, close anything they wanted with absolutely no deaths from the pandemic. Whereas before it took 1.8, over 1.8 million. Difference, huh? Anyway, Deborah Burks selected Burks for this role as public citizen. There we go. The origin of the offline of the online videos of Wuhan residents falling to their deaths, which went viral all over the world in early 2020, is disputed. Yeah, there you go. The videos were carefully edited, suggesting a sophisticated state-sponsored disinformation campaign, which they say we do, right? And they directly contradicted the reality of what we now know was taking place in China at the time suggesting the Chinese Communist Party either created or at least approved of them. However, the videos were generally released through Chinese dissident groups that claimed to be hawkish towards the CCP and thus also had the approval of the Western intelligence community. See, COVID, to a large extent, it looks like it's because of a spy network. Anyway, Hassa, it looks like hawkish towards the CCP and thus also had the approval of the Western intelligence community. While some of these were most likely CCP-controlled opposition groups, regardless, the Western intelligence community greenlit the dissemination of these videos. This article is a lot longer. I'm going to hold it up here. Yeah, maybe I'll pick it up tomorrow. This guy, or read it for yourself. Go to the new normal, the unwitting coup, was the response to COVID effectively by effectively a coup by Western intelligence community. It looks like it was. I got a lot of good articles here. It looks like it was. It looks like they, uh, they're all in on it. They changed the guidelines. They held a rehearsal with Event 201. Uh, and all this was to sell a product because COVID is a business. Power, money. That's what it's all about. So I'm going to look into defunding the DOJ. If you have some ideas for me on defunding the DOJ and abolishing the DOJ, uh, get me on Facebook. Um, let me do play the information one more time for you, and this will give you all the ways to reach out to us here. And then I will see you all tomorrow morning for my Thursday show, 7 a.m. Central Time, when we will do it all again. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash Citizen Action. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. 
W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, WriteYourLaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. (laughs) 